the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Scott. Scott! That's right, we have got Scott back in the house, my man. Welcome back. We haven't had you on for a long time. I think it was uh, 90s One Hit Wonders, way back in the day, so we are happy to have you back with us uh and we've got you for i think a couple properties that fit really well in your wheelhouse because uh we are talking texas high school football particularly but uh, we're talking these two properties these movies this movie in this in this uh, show that are obviously sports related and also very nostalgia related and uh, those are two things you know very well so so uh, scott please remind everybody a little bit about yourself and uh you know do all your plug-in Thank you, both of you, for having me back on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. You two are the hardest working men in podcasting, I tell you. The, the <laughs> amount of sure. content that you guys put out there, it's its admirable, and its I, I love it. So I'm happy to be here, happy to be back um, doing this style of episode, which I, I had been waiting a long time for. Because, uh, I mean, I love all the different styles, but this is one that was perfect for me. And like you said, Adam, nostalgia, sports. A movie from 1999. It all just kind of perfectly fits into my <laughs> wheelhouse, so I'm I'm really happy to be here for that. Um, but yeah, I'm Scott Grimes. I am. I'm just gonna say I'm a podcaster. Like I don't do it for a living. I don't get paid <laughs> yeah. for it. But I'm. I, you know what? For all intents and purposes, I'm a podcaster. I'm one. Uh, I lose count. Ninth of the Benchwarmers trivia podcast. Yeah. We are a sports trivia podcast. Um, so if you are listening to this episode and. It, you know, it tickles your fancy and you like sports uh, and this is your thing and you want to hear some uh, goofballs do some sports trivia, then go listen to us uh, at the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Um, and you can even go listen to Adam Wax Poetic about Waffle Crisp in one of our episodes. Yeah, baby. Uh, which is for some reason still <laughs> seems to sit with the guys. They still always bring up Waffle Crisp. So <laughs> you, you left some sort of impression. Uh, uh, yeah, I left that impression and then I fucked up a 3-2-1 with Arliss at one time. Those are the two things that I've done with on your show that uh, I'm never going to get, yeah. you know. Hey, the Arliss thing was my fault, too. I co-signed on it, so <laughs> I can't. Um, and then you can also listen to me on a couple other shows as well. Um, I have a nostalgic cast called People Don't Forget, and now I'm also doing a music uh, countdown podcast called Totally Rank. So go look yeah. those up if you like what you hear from me here and want to hear more, because um, I can talk forever, as you'll find out over the course of this episode. <laughs> Well, we're excited to have you on, and I know this is going to be an episode that you're you've got a lot to say. Uh, very excited about it. So, uh, so, well, what are we talking about? You know, you probably read it in the headline or whenever when you clicked on this episode. But we are talking a couple football properties, and we're going to start off with that 1999 movie Varsity Blues, a very nostalgic property. Any of the kind of teenage young teenage men or boys at the time that have grown up uh this is definitely an important movie and we'll talk about why <laughs> uh and then uh, friday night lights is another one i'm very excited to, to talk about that show with you because that is a show i watched not at the time i actually it was after the whole thing finished i went and watched every single episode so i've seen all of friday night lights and i'm very curious to know about uh both of your uh, nostalgic values to that and then we're going to do our casting of varsity blues that's right we're bringing classic varsity blues back using actors of today 
So, John, 1999, I know this is a phenomenal year in film, Mm -hmm. uh, hence Varsity Blues coming out, uh, but what else happened that year? All right, so the film was released on January 15th, 1999. Uh, The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was I'm Your Angel by R. Kelly and Celine Dion. All right, and yeah. that's a song for sure. That is a song. It, that, that's an artist. It's a Celine Dion song, right? By herself. Yeah, Celine Dion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much just hers. And some other disembodied voice. Yes. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings, fittingly, was the AFC Championship game. Hey, uh, nice. which uh, ended up with the Denver Broncos beating the New York Jets twenty-three to ten. Um, around this time, it wasn't exactly at this time, but around this time, saw the release of the game Final Fantasy VIII. Again, a series I've okay. never really played. I've never gotten into yeah. the Final Fantasy series at all. But but it, they have a devoted fan base. They do. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called A Man in Full by Tom Wolfe, um, who's an author whose name I've seen around. I've never read any of his books. But I did see that the series, uh, the a book, A Man in Full, has become a series for Netflix that was directed by Regina King. It was, they finished filming in December of 2022, uh, has not yet been released. They're they're still doing post-production, of course, with all of the strikes and stuff. I'm not sure how that will affect. I don't know if it'll affect post-production at all. Yeah, Um, yeah, But, uh, you know, if you're a Tom Wolf fan, look out for that coming into Netflix, A Man in Full, I guess. And Regina King is someone that you you definitely oh, trust. You as yeah, uh, absolutely. Wa- uh, Watchmen and Oscar winning. Yeah. Didn't she win an Oscar as well? Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, and my fun fact for 1999, uh, Cher holds the record for the longest time span between two consecutive number one hits in, uh, in the U.S. Uh, with the song Dark Lady from 1974 and Believe, Believe from yeah. 1999. That song was... Played too often. Do you believe? Yeah. Uh, she, like, she 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 figured out auto tune and used it, and it was awesome. Everyone gives yep. T Pain credit for for auto tune <laughs> when really it it was Cher. It, it was that it was, song. Absolutely, it's, it was Cher. Absolutely. Uh, it was a gap of twenty five years. Wow. Uh, second place in that uh, is the Beach Boys with Good Vibrations and Kokomo. Kokomo, yeah, and yeah, that was twenty two years. So okay. uh, that was nineteen ninety nine. All right. Well. Gentlemen, I'm going to let you know, it's time for me to strap on my whipped cream bikini, and we are going to be talking Varsity Blues. Tan, tan, a fucking tan. All right, Varsity Blues from 1999. This film was directed by Brian Robbins. Uh, he also directed episodes of All That, Keenan and Kel, My Cousin Skeeter, if you remember that show. Uh, and then also the films Ready to Rumble, Hardball, and Norbit. Oh. No one remembers Norbit. Norbit was during that time where all Eddie Murphy was doing was putting on fat suits, and everyone was like, it's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah so... The movie was written by Peter Illiff, uh, who wrote the screenplays for Point Break and Patriot Games. So that's pretty mm. cool. Uh, music was done by Mark Isham, uh, who also did the music for 42, Crash, Miracle, Save the Last Dance, plenty of other stuff. So some pretty good credits there. The cast for this film. Mox is played by James Vanderbeek, and 
we of course know him uh, from Dawson's Creek. Scott, you and I, I believe, in our 2000s uh, uh, podcast of crushes on people don't forget we talked about Dawson's Creek probably a little bit. Um, it, he was also starred as kind of a fake version of himself in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which is a short-lived show. Coach Kilmer is played by John Voight. You know him from Midnight Cowboy, Deliverance, Anaconda, etc. Lance Harbour is played by Paul Walker, RIP, 10 years ago. Mm. Pretty close to 10 years ago from this uh, recording, almost, or maybe at least when it, when it drops. But yeah, everyone knows him from Fast and Furious movies, Into the Blue, Joyride, things like that. Billy Bob is played by Ron Lester, and he died in 2016, uh, so a good little bit ago. And mm-hmm. I remember him best as a almost exact carbon copy role in this one. Uh, he was in Not Another Teen Movie as Reggie Ray instead of Billy Bob, and he was equally hilarious yeah. in that movie. So, uh, And he was also on a show called Popular, and actually some on Freaks and Geeks as well. Hmm. Uh, Julie Harbour is played by Amy Smart and she was in Road Trip and Crank and Butterfly Effect and she was definitely a, another crush oh, from those yeah. early 2000s and nine, late 90s uh, and Darcy is played by Allie Larder she was in uh, a couple of the Final Fan- Final Destination movies uh, Legally Blonde and a few other things as well and Wendell was played by Aleel Swinton uh, this was his only acting role now, Scott, I don't know if you've know much about his stats or his life, but uh, you know he much more fits into he's a, just an actual football player. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but I, I think for being his only credit, he, I, I think he did pretty well. Sure. So, yeah, so he was actually like a nationally ranked high school running back and he ended up playing at Stanford. And then briefly, he, he was uh, he did play for the Kansas City Chiefs before an injury took him down. But yeah, this is his only role. And I would agree uh, for his only acting role. He did a solid job. And then I do want to just mention Jesse Plemons is in this movie very briefly. You see, he plays Lance's younger brother, um, but we'll see and we'll talk more about him because he has a starring role in Friday Night Lights. All right. This film had a budget of $16 million and a box office of about $54 million, So that's pretty darn successful, I would say. Definitely worth it. And uh, let's go into our nostalgic values. So, Scott, this is, you know, this is one that you wanted to talk about. Why are you here for, for Varsity Blues? Like, what's so special about this film? You're wearing a fucking tweeter jersey <laughs> right now. I am. I'm wearing a tweeter jersey played by Scott Kahn. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I missed putting tweeter on there. I, I wrote him down. I just forgot to mention tweeter. Scott Kahn, Ocean's Eleven, Gone 66, and Hawaii Five O recently. So, yes. Sorry, Scott. Uh, tell us all about your your love of this film. I assume you were apologizing to Scott Conn when he said, sorry, Scott, for, for completely omitting <laughs> him. From... That is, that's exactly what he, he's an avid listener. Hey, Scott. Um, avid. We know a- avid listener. Um, yeah, I just I love this movie. I, I'm a huge sports guy. Obviously, um, I have a sports trivia podcast. I grew up on sports. I was a baseball player growing up, but it didn't. You know, I I just love sports in general and, and sports movies were something to just put two of my favorite things together, you know. I was either outside playing sports or inside watching movies. So when the aspect of sports movies came to my life, it was like, well, I kind of killed two birds with one stone. And so Varsity Blues is by far my favorite football movie. I know that's controversial. I'm not sitting here saying it's a cinema masterpiece and it you know, should win awards or anything like that. But I just love this movie. Uh, I, it's funny. I didn't see it when it came out. I mean, I was 10. 
right? So I, I shouldn't have mm -hmm. seen this movie when it came out. And that's one of the things I like about coming on here with you gentlemen is that we, we cover the whole spectrum of, of life um, because, John, you would have been <laughs> probably first year of college-ish when this came out. Uh, this you're just finishing high school. I was, yeah, I was just finishing high school, and I did see this in the theater when it. Yeah, came and, and that totally makes sense, right? I mean, you were the mm -hmm. kind of the demographic, and then Adam, you you were probably what ending middle school, starting high school. Yeah, I was thirteen. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. That's probably exactly where I was. Yeah, and then I was in fifth grade. So you know, so yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I. You know, I remember in the ninety one hit wonder episode. You know, we we there's kind of you know the same gap between mm -hmm. the three of us as far as distance yes. goes. And so you know, I didn't see this in theaters. I obviously you know caught this years after you know probably as a as a teenager, just kind of. But I remember it coming out. I remember all the hype around it. This was nineteen ninety nine. Was that ninety eight ninety nine were the years with just those huge teen movies that. Yeah. kind of dominated yeah. the box office and you know i watched a lot of the other ones at the time you know i'm talking like she's all that never been kissed uh the faculty just you know mm -hmm. put all these kids in this movie and you know even american pie right american pie came out a little bit yes. after this movie right later in 99 and I, somehow i i managed to see that one <laughs> when i was probably 10 nice. or 11 but this one eluded me but yeah i just you know after watching this i just think it's it's a really uh it's a great story i think it's told really well uh the story of mox i think it's very relatable um the high school football aspect and you know the hard-ass coach and you know you've got the kid that you can tell his heart's not completely in it and you know there's kind of that that conflict of of you know he doesn't he's different than everyone else he's different yes. than this town he feels that, that there's much more out there for him and i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to it's kind of a coming of age story in that sense and just the way the way that it plays out and i think there's little parts of the movie that if you pay attention to as mox continuously real starts to realize how manipulative coach kilmer is throughout the film you know and as you start to see mox everything changes for him instantly and i know we'll get into that as we as we talk yeah. to the movie and just so many aspects of it that i think are relatable and but i i also think it's acted pretty well i i think that you know the the movie's put together well it moves quickly it doesn't feel as long as it is you know it moves very quickly yeah. has a lot of great classic iconic scenes and lines that i'm sure we'll get into and oh, you're definitely going to get into that just just i just really enjoy this movie i think it, there's something for for everyone you don't have to necessarily be a football fan i think to understand the premise of the movie like you can wrap your head around it but then if you are a football fan obviously or a sports fan in general then it's for you as well because there are decent aspects of actual football being played in the movie and you know it takes a little bit of, of knowledge maybe to understand that part of it but just a movie i love really happy to discuss it with you guys and, and ready to get into it and for me uh, I did not see this right in the theater. As John John was 18 by the time this one was out. I was not. Um, but I do remember it's one that either later in college I came about and I, I have the DVD. I bought the DVD either then or I think in early college I started buying all the DVDs for those exactly those 99, 2000 movies that I kind of missed. But they had all of the nudity and the teen things that I wanted to see uh, when I was old enough to see them is when I started buying them and watching the hell out of them. Uh, so, yes. So this is one that I watched early-ish enough uh, to know that I still had a very fun nostalgic value. So, John, you saw it in the theater. What do you remember about seeing Varsity Blues? So here's the thing. Um, within my friend group, we went to see it out of almost morbid curiosity because <laughs> we made fun of the trailer so hard um, because, of course, the climax of the trailer was the part where he said, I don't want your life. <laughs> and all of us, having seen you know James Van Der Veek on, on Dawson's Creek, we're like, oh, my God, we have to go see this guy destroy 
a southern accent or a Texas accent. And so we went to go see it out of basically out of morbid curiosity because everyone else was going to see it. So, of course, also in 1998, nine, there was nothing else to do. So <laughs> you just went to the movies. Whether it was a good movie or a bad movie, you just went to go see it because mm-hmm. uh, there was really nothing else to do. So, yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely how I got to go see the movie. Okay. Well, we will find out by the end of this if, uh, if our 30 and 40-year-old plus selfs think it's <laughs> as enjoyable as we did uh, from back in the day. So. All right, we're going to start off the movie, and we do it with a narration from Mox. And we just find out, you know, about that classic football is a way of life in Texas. Uh, We get to eventually get to him in his room, and we immediately see his weird, no explanation, weird younger brother uh, who's crucified himself, basically, (laughs) at this time on like a a PVC cross or whatever it is. I got to throw this in because this is fascinating to me. Sure. That kid, played by an actor named Joe Pitchler disappeared in 2006 and no one has seen him since whoa his car was found with stuff but he himself has not been seen since 2006 holy shit so his life story is as weird as his character is in this movie yes damn okay okay um but they kind of set up that mox is the second stringer and you know we'll go will he play will he not Uh, we meet his parents and his dad just puts a lot of pressure on on him for football he was apparently a football player when he was younger apparently everyone in that town just kind of glorifies their high school days it's that kind of place billy bob comes and picks up mox uh we meet his pet pig uh called bacon um and this i think is a phenomenal introduction to billy bob and maybe just like the the culture here i mean he's got of course this jacked up fucking truck um (laughs) which are still popular today in the south uh for sure Billy Bob, he's got a pig who he calls out. He says, he even says, I love that dog. I love that dog. Like he's just, <laughs> he's just big, dumb Billy Bob who is dipping pancakes into peanut butter and drinking syrup. And he, and he just kind of fucks with Mox too, like kind of drives off, makes Mox run to like, he's just, it's a weird fucking intro, but I think it, it fits perfectly with, with who Billy Bob is. <laughs> so they all, they go pick up, Tweeter and Lance and whatnot, and uh, Lance is the town uh, star quarterback. He's basically like an all-star, all-state quarterback. Tweeter is a wild child. We see his ass right away, uh, and that's fun. That's <laughs> gonna get it. We're gonna get plenty of Tweeter, yeah. plenty of plenty of Scott Con skin uh, in this movie. Uh, and this film was. I just want to throw out, it was um, partly produced by MTV Films, and anytime you had an MTV film, you had a great slew of music that they would put into those songs. So they've got Green Day's Nice Guys Finish Last as they're kind of driving into town. So we're at a pep rally and the coach gives a speech and he's just he's a hard ass. You can tell immediately just from the way he talks that he's been there for a long time and he's just this established hard. He's the Nick Saban. He's the Bill Belichick. You know, it's my way or the highway kind of coach. You know, everybody loves Lance. He comes up and talks. Everybody's doting on him. They're following him. The whole crowd, every little thing that he does, his speech, it's either, oh, yay, or, oh, my God, oh, he's in bed. Woo! It's It's just ridiculous. But uh, we also see Julie there, who is uh, his younger sister, uh, probably just by a year or whatnot, Amy Smart, and uh, dating Mox. So they're together. That's a thing. 
And we get some find out some exposition. Mox is he's wanting to go to Brown. And as you said earlier, Scott, that he doesn't he's he's not really about football. He's a different kind of guy. You know, he's the backup. He doesn't really care. So uh, we cut to the locker room. Mox nefariously sees a doctor giving Lance a shot of something, some kind of painkiller, some kind of something into his knee. And it's like, okay, it's just setting up some weird shits going on. Uh, we go into a game and it's going well. Uh, Mox, though, doesn't give a shit. He's reading Slaughterhouse Five uh, instead of his playbook. But at the same time, they do some good setup here. I want to say just some of the film things that they do. They 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 trickle in. Uh, they plant seeds is the way is the way to put it. For example, Mox is just sitting on the bench. A ball kind of gets to him and he hurls the ball. He chucks the ball gets a great throw and it hits the, this fat kind of referee, you know, perfectly like from way far and just shows that, okay, he knows how to throw the ball. He's good athletically, but he just doesn't give a shit about the sport itself. Billy Bob does some really hard blocking and he gets knocked out at one point. He has to, he gets a concussion. Obviously we just see after the game, coach Kilmer pissed at Mox for not paying attention and all this kind of stuff. Um, and in general, we see that the coach doesn't seem to care for the health of his players say with Billy Bob or with that way we've already seen with um, with Lance, you know, it's it's about being hard and it's about not showing weakness and it's not about camaraderie. It's not about the safety of these kids. I mean, they're fucking high school players, so they're they're kids. But, um, you know, Scott, you said you were a baseball guy. Now, how how do you relate what you see? I know I know it's hyperbole because it's you know, it's a movie, but from the coaches that you have, you know, you've seen so many sports and from playing sports. This kind of coach versus the coaches that you actually like. It's, you know, this may be a, a slight fabrication, you know, for box office purposes, but there are coaches out there like this. And I imagine in, in you know, football specifically, especially in Texas, where it is religion and, you know, down right. in southern states where, it, you know, it really is kind of everything, especially in these small towns. You know, I don't think this is, is too outrageous, uh, you know, of of characterization of, of what this was you know I had a baseball coach who was similar to, to coach Kilmer and, and it was just all about you know the game and all about execution and it's not about hanging out with your friends it's not about you know and I mean I was this was before high school for me you know I was probably nine mm -hmm. or ten and it's just just kind of that drill sergeant mentality of of it's all or nothing and and that's what you see with coach Kilmer football is everything and it needs to be if, if you get hurt you rub some dirt on it you get back out there you know if you're the the as he would say dummy o backup quarterback it doesn't matter you mm -hmm. still need to be everything needs to be football how dare you can't read a book on the sidelines everything yeah. is football and you need to be paying attention to it so this is i mean a slight fabrication again for the sense of the movie you really want to build up you know kilmer as as the villain right from the start and they did a great job of doing that but this exists and and there's a large spectrum mm -hmm. of of coaches kilmer kilmer is not a player's coach by any means yeah they definitely they definitely do exist so uh, all right, there is the, uh, an after party after the game. We see Billy Bob giving some beer to his pig, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's a boy. Tweeter it's, and Billy. It's a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. Look at look at this look at, look look at, at this sausage. hog or whatever he says. <laughs> look at that sausage. That's what it is. Yes, look at that sausage. <laughs> Tweeter and uh, Billy Bob, uh, they fuck with this uh, old. I, I assume you know in this kind of town, the, the whole town is is chock full of these old coyote alum who come in like yeah well i'm from the 1980 team and these new guys they just kind of fuck with them they hit him in the nuts with a wiffle ball bat and i think that was honestly pretty fucking funny <laughs> like that <laughs> people relive those days like it's 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 part of their identity of like yeah well i played 
back in the day. I, I, hell, even now, I didn't even play off that long. I still sometimes will say, you know, I still talk about when I played rugby at UGA um, that I was a state champion uh, hockey player. You know, I'm just just throwing that out there. Those were those are some good old days too. <laughs> But yes, but uh, hopefully nobody will hit me in the nuts uh, like that. So uh, we see Darcy uh, is feeling pretty hot and heavy, and she pulls Lance into the garage slash laundry room area, and they're going to fuck. Uh, and Billy Bob and Julie play quarters. Julie kicks his ass at quarters. So Billy Bob is drunk as fuck, and you can see him wobbling around. He's about to puke, and he's just convulsing almost he runs into the garage and pukes into the washing machine next to them pretty much as they're fucking uh, so well yeah because lance was tired he didn't want to do the work so they used the washing yeah machine. The, the washing machine did the work <laughs> for him exactly and billy bub does have a good line if you're hungry i left a few hot dogs in here oh Ugh. i'm back puke and rally yeah. Woo! Give me a beer, and he just keeps going back to it. That's that's the life. I mean, work hard, play hard. I guess. Uh, all right. At practice, Kilmer rides Mox hard and whatnot. We see it's those practices where constantly these dads, very similar to Friday Night Lights, we'll see as well. All these people sit and watch the high school practices, um, and the dads watch it because again, they are they just kind of want to relive the days back when they were playing and stuff like that, and some. Um, just kind of some competition. We in, in general seeing Kilmer treating Mox like shit. Uh, so we cut to later. There's a little cookout with the families, the Mox family and the Harbor family. They're hanging out and some competition. I want to say the actor who played the Harbor dad had the worst Southern fake Southern accent to me. It sounded awful. Lance, toss me one, son. Hey, Lance, toss me one, son. And it just it sounded awful awful yeah it was a little over the top yeah yeah and so they're run they're they're doing like these terrible the dads are running around he's like running a button hook i mean without any pressure or without anything my grandma could make those throws but they're trying to like i don't know they're making them competitive making competitive yeah for a five yard yeah just a five for a five yard five yard pass but yeah um i don't i don't know if this uh if this plays into it it says so richard lineback who was his name the father was born in germany now i don't know if that i don't know if that means that like his his parents were stationed there yeah exactly probably military military but uh he probably didn't grow up with that southern accent Probably, no, yeah, maybe. That's no, why. no, he's been in, he's, and he's been in other movies. Like he was the uh, like the police chief in Speed. I, I, yeah. I, I uh, seen, and, and he 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 didn't have a, he didn't have an accent in that one. You know, he's yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I do want to call out as they're kind of doing this kind of competition. You get a they do the the classic the Jaws shot. They do the it's a it's a camera um, a dolly zoom shot on Mox at one point as if it's the most dramatic thing ever that he's being called out. I just, it was completely unnecessary. It didn't make any sense, but I was like, why the, the fuck they did the jaw shot. Anyway, then they're going to move step up the competition to where they have, um, the sons knock beer cans off their head. You know, of course, uh, Lance does a great job. He knocks it right off, but from the pressure that the dad is giving and he's really pre- laying it on, to Mox, so Mox uh, throws the ball and he pegs the dad right in the face, who even gets like a <laughs> broken nose out of it. Yeah, so. th- I think this is one of the more probably the one of the most iconic scenes in this movie, and I think there's, yeah. I think this is a really important scene in the movie because I think this kind of shows a lot. What what you see is 
you know, one is as this is happening and it starts to progress, Julie gets upset, you know, and says, Dad, this is stupid. Yeah. You can see that she's also, she's very, like, Mox is, she's not into this, right? She's not into football. Yes. You know, she, they're kind of these alternative like this alternative couple right they're they're not about football mm-hmm. i imagine that they you know they probably go to the movies and and you know go to whatever like yeah they're, coffee shop talk yeah, about books like and they're, shit like they're that. not in, they're not into it so you see her get upset there's two parts to me that are interesting with this one is you know mox going come on dad this is stupid like i, I think mox knows that he's better than lance but Mm. It, he knows he also knows he doesn't want that life right john he doesn't want yeah. that life That's right. and so <laughs> you know because i i think he hits his dad on purpose i do to too kind of oh, end yes, the, absolutely to end the charade and to say like listen i'm not gonna play into this whole thing and let's just end this and he's upset because i think he he knows in his heart that he's better he's a better quarterback than lance but he doesn't mm. want it that's why at the beginning when his brother says hey you might play tonight what if lance gets hurt and he goes don't say that you know lance harper yeah. getting injured is, is sacrilegious we don't say that because he doesn't want to be thrust into that spotlight because he knows I think he realizes he'll lose himself, you know, if he were to be thrust into into that spot. And I also find it interesting in this movie, what it does is you never get any sort of rivalry between Lance and Mox. Like they're good friends. And, and you know, I yeah. think it would have been easy for them to set them up as rivals and make Lance kind of a douchebag and, you know, have him be this really arrogant. And you don't really get that. This movie doesn't focus on that, which I actually thought was a nice choice because in these sports movies and in these teen movies, it's really easy to have that villain, mm-hmm. you know, and because the coach is the villain in this one, you get pretty much all the, the teenage characters are all sympathetic and, you know, and they're all likable characters, even Lance, who you don't get much from, you know, from a personality standpoint or anything. Uh, from Lance, but yeah. you can kind of see like he's also under pressure, you know, from his dad. He's got a full ride to Florida State, and so by the end, and we'll get there. You kind of see that, you know, Lance isn't necessarily all about the, the football thing either, from a, a standpoint of, you know, he's not going to let it really dictate his life as far as you know becoming one of these people that shows up to the games thirty years later and you know one of those hanger ons, um, which is nice. I thought. That was important in this scene to note that this competition was completely between the dads and and you know not between the, the kids. Very well said. All right, uh, at school we meet Miss Davis, who is a seemingly reserved teacher. Uh, you know she's got a lot of clothes on right now. Very conservative, and, uh, yeah. Very conservative, exactly conservative. And but she is going to talk about the male reproduction system, and she gives them uh, she has them all say penis, penis, penis. Vagina, vagina, vagina. I want everybody together to go ahead and say penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. Come on, y'all, say it. Penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. Well, good, great. And I (laughs) I love that. I've used that as like a... um, not not quite like a theater kind of relaxation, you know, kind of you do the red leather, yellow leather, red leather. <laughs> you do like it's like a warm up to like, OK, hey, everybody, let's relax. We're about to do something. And I'll do like hey, before we're filming. All right, everybody. Penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> it's just I don't know. I always loved that. I do love some subtle things or maybe not subtle, but things in this scene where they're obviously they're talking about and it's high school talking about penises and vaginas and sexual reproduction. It's funny. Billy Bob keeps raising his hand and she just kind of completely ignores him and ignores him. I think that's great. And we hear about the different slangs for the penis, which uh, Mox just goes to town on. Uh, 
pitching a tent, sporting wood, bicycles formed, marches on. Mr. Jonathan. Stiff, stiffy Mr. Mortis. Rigor Mortis is set in. Flesh Rocket, uh, Jack's Magic Beanstalk, Tall Tommy, Mushroom on a Stick, Mr. Mushroom Head, Purple Headed Yogurt Slinger, and uh, Pedro. And he uh, fired, and then ends with, uh, and Pedro, which uh, <laughs> you can assume maybe he, well, he made that up on the spot, but it's like a little nickname for him for his own. Did you have, you know, were there any that stood out to you? Because purple-headed yogurt slinger, obviously. I, yeah. I, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's. But also one. mushroom on a stick, I found. Like, mushroom on a stick, yeah. It's like, like the that's, mushroom that's, stamp, that one's interesting, stamp. yeah. Uh, boner? It, is Boner one? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I always like that line yeah. from the kid before. Like that, so that kid is, was <laughs> also in Not Another Teen Movie with... Oh, was it? Yeah, kind of playing that... that so, he had a little bit so, of an expanded role. He was playing like the, the loser <laughs> that had a crush on the, the main character that Chris nice. Evans ended up with. So I thought that was kind of funny that aside from Ron Lester, he also ended mm-hmm. up being in, in Not Another Teen Movie. That is funny. So, uh, so Billy Bob does eventually need to go to the bathroom, but he's not doing well mentally. Uh, effects from his concussion, uh, and so he kind of comes in and falls. They have to take him to the nurse, where Kilmer comes and talks to him in the nurse's office and pushing him to still play. So again, we're just seeing Coach Kilmer doesn't give a fuck about the health and safety of his students. Uh, we cut to the game, and they're currently behind. Billy Bob, again, still is not doing well. Uh, obviously, concussion and just his headspace not doing great. It's time for the offense to go in for the last series of the game to try and bring things around so they can pull out the win. Uh, and Billy Bob, he's he's a right tackle or, or he's offensive line. Yep. And so he has to def- defend the quarterback is his main job or, you know, move things for the run. And he just loses consciousness and he just falls down leaving the defense to just leap over him and destroy Lance. He gets sacked hard and his knee basically gets obliterated in this, you know, him, Lance being the big star, the crowd goes silent. Darcy is crying. You know, everything is just, you know, their season is ended. It feels like I love the, the look on, Oh, I don't love it, but the look on Lance's dad's face really kind mm-hmm. of sums it all up. Is like, shit, that's, that's it. It's over. Like and you can really yeah. see the the scene cuts to him in the in the stands and the look on his face is just tells everything you need to know about the scene and about this town and about the reputation the terror on his face of oh this looks really bad this is it most likely and not only are we screwed as a team because now Mox you know this jabroni has to come in and play quarterback but you know yeah. Lance's his future is down the drain and he kind of instantly realizes that and it's it's. It's obviously it's sad to see because again Lance isn't a guy that you're not rooting against him in this movie and yes. you're you're excited as as a watcher because you're like oh here it is right Mox is going to come in yeah. and you know yeah moment. all of that but just the look on his dad's face to me is the only time in this movie I sympathize with with Lance's father sure um, and, and you might you know be able to connect with this scene as you are probably the all star of your kickball team. Was this yes. how everybody else looked when you hurt yourself playing kickball? Uh, there was a little bit more uh, like dry heaving because it was a pretty gruesome thing to see. So <laughs> some people, yeah, a lot of people just kind of remove themselves from the situation. But sure, yes, my, sure, yeah. I'd imagine my life, not, my future, not 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 over because of this. But uh, 
No, no. So yeah, now, you know, being on the other end of it, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it, it did, you know, anytime there's an injury of, of that magnitude, like, everything oh, yes. just stops, right? Like, we had three games going on all over across the, the yeah, park, and everything yeah. just came to a screeching halt, and, you know, just like in the stadium, everything is quiet, and yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we've all kind of been to either been to games or played in games like that. Exactly. It's, it sucks. So I'm just assuming that you were the Lance of. I, I would have. I would agree with that. And I think if you ask. Yeah, they would agree with that as well. Yeah. Yes. And and if FSU had put out uh, scholarships for kickball, you you would have you would have full ride. Full ride. For full sure. ride for the state. <laughs> so. All right. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so Mox has to come into the game. Uh, it's a minute left and they're four points behind. Uh, so at first, he starts things off with a th- deep throw for Tweeter, who is the wide receiver, and he gets the catch. They they have to stop the clock. And as opposed to spiking it, which is the standard protocol for any football team, he instead throws it out of bounds, which will also stop the clock, but he does it by pelting it at the other team's mascot, which uh, is funny because particularly the look on the dad's face, who is still has like a nose, you know, Band-Aid on, so he realizes, oh, wait. He's got good accuracy. Wait a minute. He must have done that on purpose. <laughs> so I like that. Uh, the next call, uh, the next play is being called. He can't tell what the hell they're trying to say on the sidelines because one, he didn't study. He, did, he didn't pay attention during practice. And so he's got a he has to audible. He has to call his own play. He does what he wants and they score and he wins. But that's not what matters to Kilmer. Kilmer's pissed because they didn't listen to him because they want he wants them to play the way he wants to. He's the one who has to be in the control. And Kilmer also realizes in this moment, you know, my season is now contingent upon this this kid who I don't like, I have no respect for, doesn't, you know, probably in Kilmer's eyes, doesn't play the game the right way, you know, doesn't fall mm-hmm. in line. And so Kilmer realizes, though, I also need him if I want that 23rd district championship shit now i've got you know it's in the hands of of this kid now who i can't stand yeah very true uh so we cut to the hospital and we find out that lance will probably be out for a year and a half he tore every ligament that he had basically um so he can't play again he shouldn't have been playing in this game right is what we learned yes he mentions that exactly he shouldn't even play now kilmer even kind of says oh he didn't tell me that there were any issues which we know is bullshit because of the scene earlier that mox saw of them injecting him um injecting lance with something so all right as mox leaves darcy kind of she needs to leave too and she'll go with him and so they're on the drive back and as i guess happens not to me though uh (laughs) sexy head cheerleader just starts changing clothes in your car as you're driving back i gotta say Allie Larder looks good. This is her first movie, too. Oh, okay. Wow. Good for her. Asking a lot in, of, of someone in their first role. I'm a big Allie Larder fan. Follow her Instagram. She still looks amazing. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, she has so an good. age. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... Exactly. She doesn't really do it for me, but I, I get it. Okay. I get it. I mean, you know... <laughs> you get it. I get it. I You know, I think sure. as she... You don't like beautiful older. women, Scott? I think as she gets a little bit older, <laughs> you know, she starts to, to really, sure. like, she was in the, the oh, sure. TV series Heroes, and I, th- you know, she looked great in, in, in that series. Yeah. She was probably in her, you know, late, maybe late 20s by that point. So, I mean, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I think as she gets a little bit older, she just really sure. becomes, like, smoking hot. I mean, it's funny in this movie, she's played up against Amy Smart, who is also smoking hot as well. Amy Smart, though, is downplayed in this oh, one. Yeah. She gets kind of the, she's all that treatment without the glasses, um, but she's just kind of frumped up where Allie Larder is kind of, and she's the head cheerleader, that whole look. Yeah. So Apparently, those two women have been, like, best friends since making this movie. That's awesome. That's very cool. So, uh, but yeah, you can tell that Darcy is, she's now flirting hard with 
Mox, um, you know, she's she's going to try to hitch her ride to whoever ever can get her out of town. And it was Lance. But now that Lance hurt is hurt, you know, her future is fucked. So she's you can tell she's shifting over to try and maybe coerce Mox. Uh, and he doesn't do it. He doesn't even go to the after party from the game with her. He kind of drops her off and leaves. Uh, but who does come to the after party are some cops. Tweeter. He uh, he's the most fun of these guys, I would say. Uh, he's going to fuck with the cops and you know they talk about oh don't drink just making sure nobody drinks and drives i mean it's the kind of town it's that small town that you feel like you heard of where i mean these high school players are so popular are so well known that they're obviously drinking underage but none of that matters i mean hell you know we'll see in a little bit people give them free alcohol and the cops don't even care that they're drinking they just you know hey just don't drink and drive because they are like you know they run this town they run high school football yeah that's that's what it is and obviously tweeter messes with them with you know nice nice mount me hat mount me (laughs) (laughs) maybe after a few beers Maybe after a few beers, yes. Um, but yeah, and he takes it even further as he steals a cop car, uh, obviously drunk. And I do love his little line to himself. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to go to jail as he drives. Well, what, yeah, what off. I like about Twitter is it, you know, he's going to announce to you before it happens what's going to happen earlier earlier in the in the movie. Yes. He's gonna, I'm going to get fucked up tonight. Yep. I'm yes. going to get fucked up tonight. So he he, he knows. <laughs> he, he is he's self-aware. He, he knows, it, yeah. you know, what's going to happen. Yes. I mean... You know, he is a character, you know, if he was in real life, he'd be dead by 30 Mm -hmm. um, from some kind of overdose or some drunk driving or something like that. Absolutely. So, all right. uh, Mox goes to a convenience store and the guy is kind of alluded to earlier, gives him a free six pack and he then steps out and Tweeter drives on up with the cop car and he's butt fucking naked he's got a cowboy hat covering his junk and he's got a couple sophomore girls uh naked in the car with him who are he's trying to get mox to to join with him but mox is the good guy he uh does not but it's just it's an overall funny ass scene Mm -hmm. instead mox uh, goes and sees julie and just kind of talks to her and outside of her window whatnot and just kind of i don't know further emphasize that you know, they're different and you know he's he's he knows it was a weird night and things are about to really blow up for mm-hmm. him so the next day some old guys in town are just talking about all the ruckus that was caused and all this kind of shit i kind of like that um and then we cut to the next game and mox continues to play well and they win again if i do want to say we ta- I talked about planting some seeds um at the end of the game Miss Davis drives by and says, oh, hey, great game. And she drives off and she's driving a Mustang convertible. And you hear Mox say, huh, that's a nice car on a teacher's salary. It's just planting little Mm -hmm. things like there's more to her than this. (laughs) So, I mean, you set up immediately. You set up ties because she's teaching uh, sexual education. But you're setting up sex and her. And then now. You know, she's she makes more money than a regular teacher. Right? So little seeds. I love that. Actually, I mean, that's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mox has a reporter come over and as he's saying weird shit, uh, and, you know, he ends the line. I just want to thank God and uh, and my teammates for the me today. I mean, Jonathan Moxon's only one man, you know. I'm just one man. Jonathan Mox is, is only one man. Only <laughs> one man. He, he, this is obviously his first time you know doing a radio interview but it's it's funny and julie knows it, it's just bullshit you know he's getting wrapped he's already getting wrapped up in the fame around him 
All right, we then get a montage uh, of the town and Mox's fame kind of rising and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, he gets the practice. he gets the big billboard outside of his house on the lawn, very Friday Night Lights esque. Very Friday Night Lights esque. There's a lot of similarities between uh, this, you know, this movie and that show, and 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 exactly and all that. Um, which I, yeah, which was there was the book which we'll talk about, but there was a book that came out in like the early '90s from the Friday Night. So I wonder if these guys had read any of that book yeah. as inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mox is trying to he's going to run some plays. He wants to have some fun out there with a dumb play, an oop de oop play, like hook and ladder play, which Kilmer again does not want. It. He will not have it. It is he run it his way, and you don't do a spread offense, which is I think that's exactly what it yeah. is. He was also trying to do like a spread. A spread offense is a standard offense nowadays. Right. But Kilmer runs the eye. You know, you run it his way. It's a running team. You have to do it this Look, way. Mox has Kilmer questioning everything. Like if he knows the difference yeah. between a sneeze and a wet fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like true. yeah, that's what it is. Is you can see Mox has this like innovative mind for offense and, and Kilmer's just not having any of it, you know, just, yeah, again, they're not individuals. They're just properties to him. Right. So you just do what I tell you, you go out there, we run the ball, we run the ball and we'll find out later, you know, that even that's kind of bullshit, but yeah. we run the ball, we run yes. the ball and that's it. And, and I, I also think Kilmer knows that he needs to neutralize Mox, right? Because this is the kid yeah. that doesn't fall in line and he, he can't be manip. He's not easily manipulated. Kilmer's like, the, the more we run the ball, the less, you know, Mox is out there being the star, the better it is for me because I can hopefully, you know, put a leash on this kid. And so that's what you're seeing. But Mox isn't he's not having any of it. Uh, so also after practice, we see Kilmer really tearing into Billy Bob, blaming Lance's injury on him and all this kind of stuff, even though it's obviously Kilmer's. So he can't see that in himself uh, because he's pushing these kids too hard. But, you know, Billy Bob. He another he is he the only non sensitive character is Tweeter because Tweeter is just fucking wild child. But Billy Bob, you do you by the end, yeah, you absolutely feel for him because um, you know he just gets he gets torn into a lot. And we'll we'll talk more into that. But um, all right, then at school, Darcy invites Mox over. Uh, you know that night her parents are half price night at the gun club, so her parents <laughs> are gonna go to the shooting range, I guess. Uh, and Mox has to have this internal debate. I guess he has it externally towards his I brother at a convenience store, <laughs> <laughs> who his brother is dressed up uh, like a little Islamic guy, kind of like a uh, like um, you know not not quite uh, uh, Malcolm X or yeah. something, kind of like that yeah. that, that movement. And uh, it's you know to, oh do I buy these condoms because you know he's going to be you know that's what he'd be going over to her house for, uh, and he kind of has this internal debate and he ends up buying them, but he, he has the kid. Why <laughs> be good? I'm always good. What's the upside of being good? <laughs> he asks his brother, well, would Allah nail Darcy? I think he would. <laughs> yeah, I think he would. So, yeah, so he goes over to Darcy's house, and we get one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. Uh, so she uh, is going to go make them ice cream sundaes uh, with whipped cream, and he wants whipped cream. So when she goes to the kitchen and comes back, she has got herself on a perfect whipped cream bikini. And I just want to say the nostalgic factor for teenage Adam, who saw this for the first time, <laughs> that feeling is still there every single time I see this whipped cream <laughs> bikini. And you got to creep out a little bit on me, guys. You, you got to, I mean, you all appreciated it, this scene. It, Am I it, wrong? It, oh. I mean, it's certainly one of the, to me, yeah, it's one of the most iconic and memorable scenes. Like you said, honestly, like I know you said it kind of jokingly, but in cinema history, like this, like, 
This is what most people <laughs> instantly go to when you say varsity blues and when you think about, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, sort of there's it's this and the scene from American Pie, you know, with the with the yeah. webcam scene with Shannon Elizabeth are kind of the two yes. like quintessential teen coming of age scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely that. And it's it's a great scene for many different reasons. And it's also yeah, it, it's it's so out there, it, you know, it makes you, if you don't want to play sports after you see this scene, if you're a kid and you're like, I got to start playing a sport because if there's a chance this is going to happen, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get good at something. Yes. I want to yeah. know how many uh, people tried this on their boyfriends or, or potential boyfriends only yeah. to find out that they had to use shaving cream for the scene because whipped cream <laughs> melted too fast and wouldn't actually stick mm-hmm. onto her. Uh, yeah, but great, great scene. I, and I love... Also, the setup, like uh, you mentioned, the, the soundtrack, If Your Girl Only Knew by Aaliyah is playing in the background, which is funny because, you know, you know, as a viewer, you're thinking about, well, what about Julie? Like, this is, you know, this isn't cool, mm-hmm. Mox. Like, you know, and, and so the fact that they're playing a song kind of about cheating in the background, I thought was yeah. a nice little subtle touch in the scene as well. I will, I will say, since you brought that up, I thought this movie had a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good. Agree. Yeah, yeah there's, a few, there's a few more songs later I'm sure we can talk about in the movie too that yes. kind of fit perfectly yeah oh yeah yeah i've got a couple couple to to bring up um, i do want to come back very very briefly because you're dead on scott about the those the teenage boy scenes that stand out immensely this one and the webcam scene the benefit at least of this scene this actually ends up being a fairly wholesome scene yeah. because you know you don't actually see anything now it already looks fantastic but but mox kind of turns her down because of his best friend, you know, his good friend Lance. And because he's dating Jules, you know, she kind of breaks down that she just wants out of town and he has to ends up kind of consoling her and all that kind of stuff. So yes, it actually becomes fairly wholesome where you go back and you watch the webcam scene and it's just, it's, creepy and illegal and they're <laughs> they're illegally videoing her now it's not good but does did teenage adam absolutely love it and did shannon and elizabeth look phenomenal yes all of the above but yeah but they're two kind of two different sides of, the, of, a, of yeah. a coin there so uh mox talks to wendell the next day and scott you talked about this uh about the the running game that he plays and he complains about kilmer and that so this guy this running back averages 133 yards per game and they're one of the top you know football teams and, and 133 yards average is is fantastic for a running back how many touchdowns does he have all season three because he had broken on over 20 for those every time they get near the 10 they do some other play to where someone else gets it and it emphasizes that Kilmer is a racist asshole and that he uses Wendell as a workhorse but then he glorifies his white players instead yeah and what you'll realize too is as you you know there aren't a lot of you don't see a lot of black people on the team like you don't see a lot of black yeah. players on the even in these locker room scenes you know when you do see a lot of the guys towards the end not a, not a lot of color on this team no and I'll mention this now because casting was something that I was trying to think about. Like, how do I want to update my cast? And one of the things that I do try to do at times is make sure I can get a better diverse cast to better fit times of today. Now, what I did not do this time was make a more diverse cast because I specifically, this scene specifically, is something I wanted to emphasize more in my new movie is because... The racism that Kilmer has, I think, should be an even should be brought up more to the forefront. Him having such a white football team is something I think 
I, I wanted to keep. So I kept pretty much a white other than Wendell because I thought I thought is this is one of the more deep parts of the film that didn't get enough. You know, get some touched on, but not enough as I'd like. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and I did the same with my casting as well. And yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting if, if the movie was longer and, and, you know, if it was 10 minutes longer and had a couple other scenes, maybe they would have had a scene where, you know, they wanted to transfer in a quarterback, a black quarterback or something and Kilmer, mm-hmm. you know, vetoes it or something like, you know, just yeah. to, yeah, definitely. If, but again, the movie was also in, in a sense, a little bit lighthearted and probably didn't want to. Sure you know, really go there fully. Right. So, and then you don't want to take the, mm-hmm. the focus off of Mox and Kilmer. That's the real struggle and the mm-hmm. real conflict in the movie. Right. And so I, I can understand why they didn't want to necessarily take the emphasis off that because that's a much bigger issue than he's hard on his players. You know, that's a, it's yeah. a much bigger thing. Yep. So, uh, all right. So Mox vows to help Wendell, you know, he says, okay, well, we'll make sure you get and see the end zone. Darcy talks to him afterwards and she apologizes for the other night and she ends up kissing him in the hall. I think she's still trying to manipulate him. That made no sense to me. Like it, it just, yeah. it seemed like everything seemed, you know, copacetic after their night and they seem like, yeah. you know, they're friends and everything. And it's even said later that they've known each other since kindergarten. So like, you know, they've yeah. known each other a long time and, all, 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 all this needed was a hug, and if you're gonna do like do a kiss on the cheek, Darcy, like that, like right in the See, in that, the middle of the hallway, why... like. <laughs> well, and he doesn't he doesn't push back at all. No, 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 he doesn't. And it's a pretty long, you know, for it to yeah. be a nice kind of thank you kiss. It's it it lingers. <laughs> it's a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. See, but that's why I think she's still trying. Yeah, which I, which I found interesting because it just seemed like it was resolved. After the, it did. you know, it, and, and it doesn't really, I mean, it does come up again in a conversation with Julie yeah. that he has, but yeah, they, they yes. never really go back to it at all. I mean, it's pretty much the last scene in the movie of Mox and Darcy together, right? So it was kind of like, yeah. I kind of thought of it as out of place. I was like, I don't, I, I get why they needed to do it, but from Darcy's perspective, yeah. or from Mox, I would have been like, uh, what's going on here, you know? Like, like John said, yeah, he does not, he does not protest. It is, it is a strange decision because yes, we felt that we had moved on from yeah. Darcy and Mox, but this is literally just a setup conflict yeah. between him and Julie. Cause Julie sees this kiss at practice. Tweeter gives Mox some advice on women uh, and just all this fun stuff. And we, uh, you know, good dialogue, good, funny stuff. I love Twitter uh, and that there's going to be something happening at the mini Mart at 10 o'clock is what he says. Yeah. Mox has some sort of surprise night plan for them. He, he mentioned it to Wendell, and, and that scene to be at the mini mart. And then he mentioned the tweeter and he says, I'm bringing Lance who apparently can, yeah. can move around quicker after surgery than I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could, he could come out. So we'll, we'll see him there, but all right at night, Mox uh, goes to talk to Julie at her work and he ap- tries to apologize, but she doesn't accept it. Just furthering that, you know, now they they're having a divide because of this kiss with Darcy. Um, and she makes him leave by bringing all this attention onto him, which he, doesn't want uh, kind of wants, but doesn't want so uh then we cut to the surprise night and it's a strip club they are going to the landing strip uh which is a great name for a strip club i assume it's near an airport airport <laughs> mox takes them out lance is there yes she he got there billy bob you know he's enjoying it so much that he goes up on stage and you know he's taking off all his clothes dancing with the dancers and i can tell you strip clubs do not like that Trust me. <laughs> I trust you. Do not. Do not like that. You know that no. from firsthand experience, yes? I'm just telling you, just trust they me. They also had no problem with serving alcohol to minors. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I think all of this is just the beyond. Well, I mean, well, they're yeah, they're minors. They're 18, so they can get into the strip club, but they're minors, so they can drink. But that's all because, again, they're the high school stars, right. and, and this run, this town runs on that. But then, the phenomenal song "Hot for Teacher" comes out, or starts playing, and out comes Miss Davis, and this is her side gig, and she is dancing, and she is showing off. She sees, notices them, uh, which you'd be kind of surprised if you're a stripper and a teacher. You would think at some point you're going to run into a parent's... I had the same problem with this concept because it is a small town where everybody knows everybody. Even if if she's stripping in the next town over, there's not a chance that some adult hasn't seen her and word had not trickled down to everyone. There's yeah, no way that that didn't happen. You know the assistant coaches on on this football team yes. are going to the landing strip <laughs> on the weekends. Like, yeah. Well, there's no and, way. And if in this small town the strippers look that good as they did, hell yeah, of course. Like, I can tell you, we've got. I, I, I haven't been to the strip club in my town, but I've heard <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> I mean, if 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 maybe if like they had driven down to like I don't know what the nearest big city was, or yeah. like Dallas, Dallas. Or if yeah. like, if yeah, that's yeah. where this was, and she was going there to do this, that would make a little bit more sense. But they don't. That totally. Would they, make it sense. doesn't. They don't give the sense that they really traveled that far to get there. Yeah, and for someone who you yeah. know her later on, you know she's so worried about the secret getting out. Yeah, you think she'd be a little bit more. Uh, you know, covert and, you know, may, yeah. may, maybe don't, uh, she didn't even try to disguise herself. You know, I mean, it's clearly, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's her. You're right though. The solve is if Mox says, Hey guys, we're driving to Dallas, Dallas tonight. Yeah. I've got a, uh, you know, I found we're Yeah. I've got a, I got a treat for you. And then that's it. Boom. That everything yeah. is solved. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so they, they actually hang out with Miss Davis afterwards. She kind of comes and sits with them. Also just like, come on. She <laughs> she goes and sits with them half naked, drinking beer. like <laughs> Drinking beer with them. And they rate her. Uh, and Tweeter gives her a 9.5. And John, as you've done before, Billy Bob, what's he give her? A tan. A tan. A fucking tan. I, it's a, it was topical. It was erotic. It, I gave it a 9.5. I still got wood. Still. <laughs> I gave it a, uh, a tan. A tan! A fucking tan! Gentlemen, <laughs> fucking tan! <laughs> exactly, I love that line. So, uh, and when they all get out, it's the morning. It's 7 a.m. Holy shit, they uh, were there the entire night. And fuck, they've got a game tonight. At the game, they're all playing like shit. Everybody who stayed late is playing. They're sucking it up. Uh, they can't fucking score at all. Uh, yet Thunderstruck is playing in the background. Another great song. Um, as they kind of montu- montage the- through the rest of this game, playing terrible. And they lose. They lose the game. And of course, Kilmer's fucking furious because of it. Billy Bob even cries. This is the, this is the one time in the movie where Kilmer's justified. Like, <laughs> yes. For, for them, you know, for the his star players, you know, to, to play the game hungover like that is... One time he's justified in his... I'll just say in his anger. Not in, in some of his, his actions, but his frustration mm-hmm. and his anger... I'll give him this one. This is your one, but kill me. Yeah. <laughs> this is your one. I agree. So, uh, and at dinner, Mox's dad blames you know him on all this kind of stuff, and this is his opportunity. And here we get this the great line, the one that you'd already alluded to. Playing football in West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. I don't want your life. Uh, which John and I had talked about before you came on, Scott. That the way I say this line in my head is way more southern and way worse than the way he actually says it. I think everyone it. does. I think everyone <laughs> yeah. does. And I, I like I yeah. don't. 
I, I wonder if there is maybe maybe it's a Mandela effect and there's or there's some sort yeah. of deleted scene where he says it more southern and uh, we, you're like you know yeah. what I mean like but yeah everyone really says I don't want your life which is not the way that he actually says it. I think the thing is is I remember it being so jarring hearing it for the first time that now mm. that it's become almost a meme of itself it just it gets bigger and bigger bigger so that's way bigger than the actual thing was but I do remember at the time it was jarring to hear it because it sounded sure. weird hearing yeah. him say it I mean yeah it's, 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 he's definitely a long way away from the creek you know so. yes <laughs> yes he is with the pressures going on uh, Billy Bob is not doing so well he drops off bacon at Mox's house and so he knows something up so he goes and finds Billy Bob who is drunk and shooting his little league trophies and he is emotional but also he's blaming himself about Lance. Mox is bringing up there's just one more game and they need to get through it and they need him for it. And it's just here you you get some good humanization of Billy Bob um, where even he admit Mox talks about like, we know who gives a fuck about Kilmer, who gives about all this stuff. And Billy was like, I do. I care. You know, he's one of the person who has been manipulated and he is. But he is still sympathetic because, you know, he yes, he's he's fat and that's his his being good at football and being fat is his entire identity. Mm-hmm. He's been pushed this way this his entire life, but he still can't help but care about it. He still he still can't help but like want to try to prove everyone and win for everybody um, where Mox has been able to detach himself mentally. Billy Bob can't. So it's very interesting. What am I supposed to do, huh? Why don't you fucking tell me quick? Fuck it! Who gives a flying fuck about Bud Kilmer's 23rd District Championship? I don't! I do! I do! So they bond over, generally, their hatred of Kilmer and all that stuff, but they're gonna gonna keep moving and try to finish, you know, do this one last game. At home, Mox gets a letter from Brown. He got in, and he got a full fucking ride to Brown! But his dad doesn't care. His dad doesn't care. He thinks he should just be focusing. You got to make sure you you're ready for Gilroy. And like fucking hell, exactly. It's just it's again. Mox doesn't give a shit about this, but that's that's all he keeps hearing about is you got to just fo- do football. Uh, at school, we find out Billy Bob got his cat scanned, or you know, his, his, they scanned his cat. <laughs> they scanned his cat, uh, and he uh, he's got a clean bill of health, so he's good. He can actually play. I do like they see. Miss Davis in the hall and Billy Bob is just staring at her chest the entire time. That's good. He even asked her to prom. I thought that was that's funny. That's cute. Anyway, at practice, Kilmer again trying to intimidate Mox, threatening him with his ride to Brown now, basically saying, like, I can change, you know, your transcript, I can change your grades, you know, I, which is real fucking shady now. You know, not just I'll do he's like, I'm gonna stop your full ride, um, and all this kind of stuff. So he's he's trying to, yeah, force Mox to come in and play so he can win his twenty third divisional championship. And it and it just makes you wonder what he's manipulated the other players with. Like has he done this with Lance that he threatened his, you know, his full ride, like, you know, to get him to take that shot, right? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. what what has he held over these other players who have more on the line football wise than Mox, right? Like Mox knows yeah. that he'll be fine without football. But for these other guys where it's their whole life, you know, Wendell's trying to get a scholarship, you know, his his mom's doing his recruiting. But Wendell's yeah. trying to get a scholarship and Lance like, you know, what is he holding over these other players who maybe don't have a backup plan? So it's it, you know, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I didn't really even think about that. But you're you're so dead on and and I want to tie that into some of these older players. You know, some of these older players 
and nostalgia in general, what it can do to your brain where you kind of forget about the bad stuff. And, and you can assume that Kilmer has been like this for a while and he's been an ass and a manipulative asshole. But there's so many of these people in this town that still love him and laud him, but they don't remember the shit that he did to them. They just remember like, oh, we won and I'm part of this legacy. And you just kind of you think about the good stuff and you never really kind of really dissect stuff properly, you know, into what it may have actually done and, and how it affected things. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, that night, Mox complains to Julie about Kilmer and whatnot, and he's decided he wants to try to end his tyrannical reign. Basically, that's what he wants to do. Uh, we start this last game of the season. It's the one to determine the district title and if they'll be able to go on for state. And we get an amazing song. Foo Fighters, My Hero starts playing, just like that intro part, which is so good uh, as we get it started. And that was the main song in the trailer. Like That yes. was the thing that hooked everyone in was that song with the, all the scenes and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, the Foo Fighters were absolutely just gigantic at this time, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, that, that perfect, perfect pairing. Exactly. And we get, uh, you know, they have their first drive is going on. Um, Mox, as he's promised Wendell earlier, uh, you know, they're they're driving towards the end zone. And instead of doing the play that Kilmer wants to do, he changes it so Wendell can get in and score. And, of course, even though that they score and that they're winning, Kilmer's pissed because he's not following his rules. Yeah, so. he keep laughing it up, asshole, or something like that, like on the sidelines. Like, mm -hmm. he knows at this point that Mox is just you know, intentionally defying everything yep. that he says. And yep. But, again, he's tied to him. He can't really – his hands are tied because without him, he has no shot at winning. So They have no other quarterback. He was going to have Tweeter play quarterback at some point. So yeah. they have no backup to the backup. So – uh, Gilroy, though, they're a very formidable football team in their own right. And so they uh, score right back. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Wendell, uh, our great running back, gets an injury. He gets hit hard. He has to go to the sidelines. The coach says, you know, he wants a trainer to fix him, if you will. We know it's shady shit. Um, and so that's what's happening. And Gilroy ends up taking the lead at this point. Kilmer, um, it's the last about a minute and a half before the end of the first half. Kilmer wants Mox to just kneel. Uh, I hate this kind of stuff. I know this, this is what's going on here. We're supposed to hate that, you know, they're going to just give up. But it's because it's because Kilroy or uh, sorry, Kilmer wants to just kind of force his will um, yes. on this is Mox one, right this here. This is 1000% a power play of I own you. Yes. You do what I say. Kneel in yeah. front of this crowd, which makes you look weak. It's making Mox look like a pussy. Because yeah, which they're, they're, they have the radio announcers mention like, why well, don't believe? Why is Mox kneeling? Like, well, you know that's not his decision. You know <laughs> right, it's the right. coach's decision. <laughs> yeah. Also, those those announcers were actual high school football announcers. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the, uh, from, the, the, from the head, you know, kind of the yeah the play by play guy. He yeah he seemed really good, and you know he had the scene mm -hmm. where he was doing a little dance after the Gilroy guy did his touchdown dance. Yeah, I I thought actually both of them were were really good. Yeah. But what I wanted to complain about was I've seen this enough in college football and, you know, when Georgia does it or whatnot. And there's like it feels like there's, you know, even if it's under a minute, it feels like there's enough time to move down and they just fucking kneel. I'm like, just give it a fucking shot. Like, what is, I can't stand that as a fan. It just, you know. And that's, and that's how the, the crowd was feeling. And, and But again, it was all directed at Mox <laughs> instead of at Kilmer. Yes. Uh, so, but all the guys get back into the locker room and Mox sees that uh, they're about to administer a shot for Wendell. The same kind of thing that happened to uh, Lance earlier. It's a direct parallel to that. And they're going to stop it. They intervene. 
You know, Mox says, no, I'm not going to allow you to do this. And then Lance comes in and he backs up Mox. He's had enough of Kilmer. And he's he's starting those firsthand. And, you know, Kilmer says, oh, you're going to listen to him who, you know, he's not passionate about the game. He doesn't know what's at stake. He's a gimp. You're going to listen to a gimp. And then Lance comes in and says, well, I, you know, I know Wendell. Like, you know, don't don't do this because literally I've I've been there and, and look what it did for me. Exactly. And then it just it builds and builds into where the entire team stands up to the coach who is kind of snapped at this point. And, you know, he's lost the entire respect of the locker room. They're not going to play for him. And basically, he just has to walk out. Yeah. And he leaves. This is probably the best scene in the movie, right? I mean, this is the climax. And, you know, I just I I love how you see all of the, you know, all of our main characters, the high schoolers really sticking up for each other and banding together. You know, Billy Bob steps up against Kilmer and is like, you give him that shot, you know, I'm going to break your river arms off and beat you with him. And yeah. you know, Kilmer's just, all right, fine, Tweeter, you'll, you'll play quarterback. And Tweeter's like, nah. And, and Tweeter's the last guy you kind of expect to <laughs> to, to step up and, and have mm-hmm. essentially kind of have a heart, you know, because not because yeah. he doesn't care about his friends, but he doesn't really care about anything besides partying. Yes. But I thought it was great that even he, you know, was like, no, nah, you know, I'm out. I'm not I'm not doing that. And then I just love the, you know, Mox comes in at the end. You give him you give him that shot. You get yourself another fucking quarterback, which I, I just love that line. You give him that shot. You find yourself another fucking quarterback. And that's when Kilmer yeah. realizes, shit, I, like, I, I'm, I'm done here. Right. Like, I can't. Yep. There's nothing Completely I can do because, awesome. you know, he's trying to get back out there. And he's trying to rally him. All right. Well, because he attacks Mox. That's what happens. Right. He, yeah. he, goes, yes, he, he, he has, chokes him. He chokes Mox. And then quickly, you can also kind of quickly see he goes, oh, shit, like this is a step too far, gets off and then goes right back into, all right, let's get out there. We're going to go out there second half, you know, runs out of the locker room and no one's behind him. To reinvigorate the rest of the team, Mox gives them an impassioned speech. Uh, he wants them, you know, let's let's go be heroes. Let's not do it for fucking Kilmer. Let's do it for us, basically. Um, and let's go be the heroes that we want to be. And so they come out reinvigorated without Kilmer. Another great song, uh, Offspring's Nitro Youth Energy is playing right here. Uh, and we see Lance is kind of acting as coach. And so they're also just using plays that Mox, they're going to let him decide the plays, you know, out on the line. And, you know, they're going to confuse the defense from what they had done before and do that spread offense and that kind of stuff. And so they go in and they score. Uh, we do get a quick little scene here, a short scene in between while the team, you know, they kind of get taken away from the action to see Kilmer in his office packing shit away. This shot makes no sense to me because it's almost sympathetic yeah. towards Kilmer. And to me, it just seeing Kilmer walk off the screen in that hallway should have been the last time we see him. Yep. When they cut back to sort of the statue, I'm fine with that. Yes. But going back to his office to see him again, it makes him sympath- a sympathetic character. Not a lot, but enough where I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't need that. We saw him walk off. We, d- we didn't need that again. To me, that was an unnecessary scene. Yeah, yeah I agree completely. Like, are we supposed to feel bad that he's he's finally realized that he's gone too far and he's packing up his office? Like, yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's no reason for that. Yep. So, all right. So, back into the game. Uh, defense did its job, and, you know, they're going to have another chance if they can block a kick and billy bob put him in billy bob will block the kick so he got my hero starts up again and he goes out there and he does some blocks shoves speed all the way tweeter is able to get through and make the block that they need they still have a fucking chance gentlemen <laughs> so they're back offense is back on mox does a pass to tweeter who doesn't get out of bounds oh shit they're gonna have to stop the clock again they don't spike it this time he 
Mox throws it at the cowboy mascot that they got hitting the guy off of his horse. Kind of funny. So, and I'm glad that he hit the guy and not the horse. I thought that was yeah. nice. that was <laughs> nice of Mox. To not, he could have thrown True. it at the horse. So they have one last chance, one more play to try and score and win. Um, and at the same time, they could have kicked a field goal and tied it, taken it to overtime. But that's that's not the hero's journey here. You got to go for it. They, uh, and honestly, so, this team might not even have a kicker. They, Kilmer yeah. strikes me as a team where we don't kick field goals, guys. Sure. So uh, they're going to do that hook and ladder play, the the kind of oop de oop or whatever this this is or the the silly one that billy bob has to go down and pretend what am i doing down the field uh and so they go into slow motion as they go through it and they get through the play it's a pass to tweeter who then pitches it to billy bob he gets it and he catches the ball and this isn't a great play for a lot of distance because billy bob still has to try to outrun a bunch of people and luckily because of his strength he literally kind of shoves down or trucks through like five different players carries him on his back and he gets into the end zone. Oh my God. All through those defenders and they win. Oh, the drama. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Julie, who we hadn't really seen in a while. The last time we saw her, she was upset with him. Well, they had the one scene where he went to her. Oh, you're yes. And, yeah. You know, she seemed, you know, he told her that he got into Brown and then he was kind of having that debate about, you know, do I feed into Kilmer and, do what's sure. right or yeah so but yeah we hadn't so. we hadn't got much of her the the you know the last third of the movie but they kiss he's forgiven now um and you know he is the hero so and then as we end the movie mox's narration starts back up and he's kind of closing things out we find out about all the different players lance got into becoming a coach wendell did get into grambling you know and, and he's became a running back there and he went to Brown and kind of gave up on football. I would have liked to hear what happened to, you know, Tweeter. No one knows what happened to him um, or something like that. <laughs> well, Tweeter, funny. Tweeter drank beer because, well, he drank beer. Tweeter drinks beer. Yeah, Tweeter drank beer. Billy Bob cried and Tweeter drank beer because he drinks beer. But I would have liked to, I would have liked to have like a little, like, yeah. uh, no one really knows what happened to Tweeter. Um, and as the credits roll, we get Collective Souls song Run. So funny enough, as as this movie was ending and he's doing all of this narration about stuff, he mentions one thing. He goes, oh, I never played football again. And then the bar behind me as I'm watching this, my wife goes, what, did they not go to state? Right. Wasn't this the district title? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, exactly. So you're like, did they just give up after this? I, and, and that's always, and I've always remembered that too. And I know if you look like, you know, stuff about this movie, that's kind of a big goof is. You know, how could yeah. how could he have never played again? But the way he did say it, he said, I went to Brown and never played football again. So I think what it means sure, is maybe. after this season, he went to Brown and never played football again. Like, you know, after sure. they concluded okay. that, that that's, that's not how, what it sounded. That's like how to I'm me, choosing right. to think about it. OK, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm choosing to think yeah. about it as he went to Brown, and never played again, because, yeah, obviously they they had a game probably in two weeks. Yes, right. but I'm assuming they didn't win it or something. because We would have found out if they won the state championship. 
yeah so that's that because uh, that's not the dramatic ending now that Kilmer's already gone right. so uh, just do John start with you and then me and then Scott we're going to end with you as this is like your you said one of your favorite movies you know it feels like it yeah. uh, it's also one of Regina, Regina George's favorite movie I think in the movie Mean Girls yeah. uh, that it's quoted as her favorite movie you know, maybe that's why I love Regina George so much and, and Rachel <laughs> McAdams but anyway uh, John this has been probably, I assume, almost at least a decade, if not two, since you've seen the movie uh, or close to it. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on rewatching Varsity Blues? So I was I fully went in expecting to just hate everything about the movie, remembering how much we made fun of it. I'm not going to lie. Actually, it wasn't that bad. The pacing went by pretty quickly. I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was left, you know, bored or wanting too much. It was good. You know, it was good. I mean, the, you know, bad Southern accents notwithstanding, it was a fine movie. That's about as much you're going to get out of me. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, And this one, it definitely, there still feels like there's layers of cheese on it. And there are some acting that just feels a little subpar, not as terrible as I kind of expected it to be again, because it's probably been 15 years, probably since I've watched it, if not at least a decade. And the writing has some subpar spots that we kind of picked apart, and I, I agree with that. But there's still a nostalgic place for my heart in this movie. And a lot of that, you know, there's that teen comedy stuff that I liked when I was younger, and I still enjoy aspects of it. Do I know that this is not the greatest movie ever written? Of course. But did I still enjoy myself? Yeah. And do I still think a whipped cream bikini is the hottest thing in the world? Yeah. So there's that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love this movie. It always holds up for me. You know, I, I watch it probably once every couple of years at least. I, and it's my favorite football movie. And I honestly, I'd rather just I like the the balance between the comedy stuff and the kind of the lighthearted stuff within the serious nature of it you know the wendell thing stuff and you know just the moxes this again sympathetic sort of anti-hero in this town i think that i think that's relatable and i think people can get behind that but it's not you're not smothered with it it's not the whole movie because you do get the 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 fun stuff too and so i think there's a good balance there and i think you can watch it one time and maybe you know depending on the mood you're in you know all the comedic stuff is is what you're kind of looking for and that's what you're getting out of it and then if you're you know maybe in a little bit more of a somber mood or you need some inspiration you can watch it you know from that standpoint and get a little bit of that too so i you know it yeah definitely holds up for me really enjoyable movie um came out at the right time you know i'm a sucker for all those kind of late 90s early 2000s teen movies anyway so i'm always gonna have a special place for those and this definitely fulfills that for me all right now we are moving on to the tv selection for this episode friday night lights uh, this show ran from 2006 to 2011. Five seasons, 76 episodes, basically on NTV, on NBC uh, and DirecTV, uh, but basically through a deal with NBC. It was created by Peter Berg, who wrote the screenplay for and directed the film uh, from 2004, starring Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, he also wrote, I just want to throw out that Peter Berg wrote the screenplay for The Losers, uh, which, John, I want to shout out. We kind of talked about that with uh, our our good friend Marcus Ellis. Mm-hmm. So if you remember The Losers, that was a good one. Uh, and this film or this show was inspired by the 1990 nonfiction book by H.G. Uh, Bissinger or Bissinger, uh, which was adapted to the 2004 film of the same name. We'll get through the cast and then I'll then we'll go into kind of what we remember, what we did, if we saw this show 
when we were younger. So it's an extensive cast. So let me just, you know, take some time on this one. Uh, so Coach Eric Taylor is played by Kyle Chandler. Uh, he was in Super 8, King Kong, Argo, plenty of stuff. But he's he's the protagonist. He's the main character of the show. And even, you know, you would think it even kind of stays within one single town. It actually more so, well, it is one single team. But it more so it follows Coach Taylor more than anything else is, is the show. Tammy Taylor, who is the coach's wife, played by Connie Britton. She actually played a very similar role of the coach's wife in the Friday Night Lights movie. Uh, she was also in Nashville and Spin City for pretty much all their runs. Uh, Julie Taylor, who is their daughter, is played by Amy Teagarden. Uh, she was in small roles, uh, mostly Scream 4, Rings, which is a sequel to The Ring, um, and other small stuff, but hasn't really broken out too much. Uh, Buddy Garrity is played by Brad Leland, and he was also played a similar role, kind of like the local businessman and football booster guy uh, in the Friday Night Lights movie. Um, but I've also seen him in a lot of other small roles. He's a guy who pops up in a bunch of stuff. Like, it's just one of those kind of character actors who you see all over the place. Um, Veep and other stuff like that. Uh, Tim Riggins. This was really the 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 heartthrob, one of the heartthrobs, probably the heartthrob of the show. Played by Taylor Kitsch. This was kind of like his big coming out show. Uh, he was Tim Riggins was the fullback, and he was also the high schooler who was dealing with alcohol issues and center for lots of the drama. Um, but Taylor Kitsch kind of he almost became a big star because he was in Battleship uh, John Carter, which flopped terribly. And we remember him as he played Gambit in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie as Blah. well. I mean, he wasn't bad. The movie was bad. So uh, Landry Clark is played by Jesse Plemons. And as I mentioned, he had a very small role in Varsity Blues, but he was also in Breaking Bad. He was also in Battleship. Um, and I also remember he's the lucky man married to Kirsten Dunst uh, <laughs> on top of everything. But his character is like the best friend to uh, Matt Saracen, who becomes the quarterback. Um, and eventually he also becomes the place kicker. So he becomes he gets on the team as well. Uh, Matt Saracen, played by Zach Guilford. Uh, he was on a couple different shows. Uh, L.A.'s Finest is one of them. He was on the movie Super, which I actually really, really like. Uh, that was an old James Gunn movie and a Purge sequel as well. But he was this backup quarterback who gets thrust into the spotlight, spotlight when the number one guy gets paralyzed in an injury. And he has to take over being the quarterback. And he eventually dates uh, uh, Julie, the, uh, the coach's daughter. Billy Riggins, uh, played by Derek Phillips. He was in 42, Longmire, plenty of small things. He's Tim Riggins' older brother and his caretaker because they have a very rough family life. And he eventually becomes an assistant coach, I think, to uh, Eric Taylor. Lila Garrity, played by Minka Kelly. Uh, she was Dove in the Titans show. Um, she was in the show Parenthood, a lot of other small stuff. I believe she was in, Scott, was it your 2000s list? Oh, yeah. Or was it? Okay. Oh, yeah. She was a, a crush for sure uh, for some people. Uh, but she was like the head cheerleader, Jason Street's uh, girlfriend. But I do. But there is a point. There is a, a storyline, I believe, where if I remember correctly, she hooks up with Riggins. I mean, there's there's a lot of back and forth on the relationships on these shows and, and cheating. Everybody ends up sleeping with everybody kind of at some point. It's, it's, just, it's a soap opera. It's a teen soap opera tied around football, you know, high school football. Tyra Collette is played by Adrian uh, Palicki. Uh, John, you would know her from the Orville. Uh, we also all know her from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. I know her from that one. 
Um, but she is kind of Riggins kind of girlfriend, but then also had develops a relationship later with Landry. She kind of uh, is like the town vixen. Um, and she and, and then also kind of becomes like a she kind of cleans up her act and she can, becomes friends with the coach's wife, Tammy, at some point. I do want to call out Smash Williams, played by Gaius Charles. Uh, he was in Grey's Anatomy for a good while. He was on the show Taken, um, but he's the running back, and he's kind of like this cocky ass, but he's very talented as a player. Uh, and then I want to, last kind of of the characters I want to mention is Vince Howard, played by the amazing, the great Michael B. Jordan. Uh, he joined in seasons four uh, when they moved over to East Dillon, uh, not just like the, the Dillon Panthers, but the East Dillon Lions. Uh, coach Taylor goes to coach with them. Um, and Michael B. Jordan is Creed Black Panther, also my dreams, because he's one of the best looking men <laughs> in Hollywood. Not going to lie. Uh, so, yes. So this is a, a teen and sports drama series um, centering around high school football and the lives of the coach and the players in the fictional Dillon, Texas. And Scott, what are your nostalgic values? Is this a show you watched? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of fell into the show. I knew it existed and I knew it was around in like 2006. I didn't watch it when it came out, but I happened to just be in a Best Buy one time, I remember, and it, like the the DVD for the first season was in like a discount bin. So I went, mm -hmm. I'll grab this. Why not? And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I was hooked. I was hooked yep. from the first episode. And I think the, the show was already in like the third season. So I quickly just caught up, right? Binge watched. The first season bought the second season dvd caught up and then started actively watching it weekly probably somewhere in the third season on nbc before it moved to direct tv and then yeah stuck with it through the end so i i yeah i, I absolutely adored the show right from the, the okay. beginning when i first watched it uh, and i i also i came late to the show similar enough with you but it was it was after the show had already finished um and i either it was on streaming or something uh, but it was, so it was probably like 2013 or 14, I think, when I actually came to the show. Then I watched all of it. Once I saw it, it was very similar to you. Once I actually paused, like, you know what, I'll actually give this a shot. And the drama and everything with the show was like, oh, fuck, I want to keep watching. Yeah. So I absolutely, I went through and I watched the entire series. Um, so, John, what about you? Did you watch this show at all? Nope. Never seen an episode. <laughs> okay. So everything you know is just from what you watched for the podcast. Yes. All right. We'll see if it hooked you like it hooked me and Scott. We'll find that out by the end. A couple different differences that they had. They didn't uh, with this with the book in the movie because the book was set in Odessa, Texas, which is a real town. And it's star and the and the high school was the Permain Panthers, not the Dillon Panthers, Permain Panthers. They decided to move things to the fictional Dillon, Texas to kind of hopefully get things away from some of like the real people so they could kind of do their own storylines and do some own stuff. I will say it bothered the fuck out of me. Um, at least I watched three episodes for this and I just started from the beginning. I just watched episodes one, two, three. I hate that on their helmets, it's a P and not a D for Dillon. I, I, it's, I, uh, you can tie it in like, oh, it's for the Panthers, but no, no team I know does that. Mm -hmm. They have the actual like town, but it's, uh, I think it's a play to the Permain Panthers. So too. But I, it just felt weird to me. <laughs> so that was it. In a style sense, the show itself is filmed in what's called a style called cinema verite, which is the cinema of truth. Or cinema, you know, that kind of thing. It's documentary style where it's handheld. It's kind of shaky cam. And it's as if 
you're the person who's there watching. Like that's what the cinema verite style is, 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 is if you're there, a fly on the wall kind of mentality. You know, you're experiencing this drama with these people. Drama is the name of the game with this show, man. They, they kept by the end. They got a little bit crazy from what I remember. It got a little melodramatic, but especially early on, like they did. They did so many fun stuff of like just like, oh, shit, what's going to happen with these crazy teenagers? And oh, my God, who's sleeping with who and all this other kind of stuff? You know, teammates, them, you know, being pitted against each other. Um, even some there's some of the stuff you called it with Varsity Blues, which I did like in this one because Matt Saracen was kind of a sophomore backup and there was no really animosity between him and Jason Street. Jason Street gets paralyzed and he has to go through his own journey, but like there was never like a, a hatred and he was Jason Street was a nice kid. Yeah. You liked him pretty much the entire time and you wanted him to do well. And so there's none of the characters, none of the high school students, even like the cocky smash, he was cocky but he was good and he was kind of fun. I didn't dislike any of them. So, I mean, are there any particular characters that stood out for you? I mean, that's what makes this show so good is it is the characters, right? I mean, and the acting, honestly, for a teen drama, the acting on this show is is actually particularly well. Like they do a, they do a good job. Yeah, I mean, the you start to love all the characters. Like midway through season one, you're just you're fully invested in Smash, even though he is kind of a jerk, and you're fully invested in Riggins, even though he's kind of a train wreck, and Tyra, and you know Lila, who you know cheats on her paralyzed boyfriend with his best friend and like <laughs> yes. halfway, you know, in the first season, but you, you, there are yeah. redeeming qualities for all of them. Even Buddy Garrity, you know, you end up, yeah. you know, just having a soft spot for, and that's just a tribute to, you know, when you have a TV series, obviously you can do a lot more with your characters. You have, you know, 42 minutes for, you know, 20 some odd episodes. So you can really get into the characters. unlike in varsity blues where everything has to move so quickly. We don't get any exposition on Twitter. We don't get a lot on Wendell. Whereas with this show, you do get that. And I mean, all the characters for me, like Saracen, obviously, you feel for Saracen. He's a terrific mm -hmm. character. I think Riggins, again, is has a little bit of that Billy Bob, you know, in him where there's always been so many expectations and he's kind of been let down, you know. So I would say them too, Smash. I mean, I love Lila for, yeah. you know, her oh. personal <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, just <laughs> honestly, th this is a show where there really aren't too many characters that I don't care about until like later on in the later seasons. They bring sure. in some characters that I could, you know, take or leave. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I mean, John, in how many episodes did you watch? One. One episode. Okay. Let's hope it was the pilot. Yeah, yeah well, did you watch the pilot? pilot? Yeah, it was pilot. Any any particular character? Because you're because the way Scott put it is, this show is driven by its characters. By you know, there's there's the drama that comes about it, but it's all character driven drama right. and the pressure that they each kind of put on each other and the town puts on them because of football and what Coach Taylor gets and you know how he feels he has to perform um, and he has to go in and you have to do great right away because there's high expectations in this town. They, they won another state championship, all that kind of shit. Any, did anybody stand out? Did anything in particular stand out in the episode that you watched that you liked? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, there are a couple <laughs> things, you know, that I wanted to call it that I particularly sure. remember. There is a saying that everybody said, I think even sports people today yeah. will still pull out clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. It doesn't even make any sense to me, but it's a, it's a thing. Like, and that that came from the show because everybody yeah. they always said it. That was like the motto. I always particularly remember, and it's like a couple different times. I think they maybe it was just once, but I felt like it was more. They loved putting Taylor Kitsch in Riggins in the rain. Like yes. there were multiple. I feel like there was multiple moments where you know, like 
Layla had to like open the door and there's just Riggins in the rain and there's some dramatic moment where they have to like kiss or talk or something and it's just intense Riggins and his long hair in the rain they loved it <laughs> they, they, they knew what they had he was the heartthrob they, they knew <laughs> he was the heartthrob yeah. Uh, yeah, and just all the drama. Um, I do want to just briefly call out the uh, the theme song. It was an instrumental, simple, but I actually think it really worked for the show. And the show, kind of enough similar with Varsity Blues, had, I think, a very good mix. There was a lot more drama, a lot more melodrama, but there were some comedy aspects, some things in there that you liked. I mean, this was an overall, I felt, a pretty well-rounded show, uh, just the way that it was written and the way everything brought up. And it was, it had a very strong fan base. I, I, I think there was, um, during its time, Friday Night Lights, you know, was a pretty... It wasn't like super, you know, high ratings, all that kind of stuff. But I feel like the fans that it had were really into the show. Yeah, and it, it, it still has that. There's there's still like a, a cult following to this. And I remember there being a petition after the show ended to bring it back. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are dedicated. Uh, so sure. Scott Porter and Zach Guilford do a podcast together. So Saracen nice. and Street, um, they, mm-hmm. they're doing a Very podcast cool. together. And I know that... Uh, the characters that played Billy and Mindy, who ended up getting married on the series, they have a podcast, mm-hmm. like a rewatch Friday Night Light podcast. Nice. So there's, it's still alive. Like there, you know, there's, and it's on. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, and it was for a long time. And it's it's on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. So literally, if, if somebody's got one of those, you can watch the entire show. Yeah. It, so it, it's definitely still out there. I know that they do a lot of conventions. Still, they have things down in uh, in Texas. You know, every so often for the fans, and it seems like the people who were on the show seem to have had an enjoyable experience you know like he always seems like you know jesse plemons and scott porter and you know they've all gone on and and done other things but it seems like they they come back for these conventions and you know they're still pretty invested in it which i think is nice to see because you don't always see that with these teen shows a lot of times as the Mm -hmm. actors mature they kind of distance themselves from you know some of the work they did when they were younger but you don't see a lot of that with this show which i think is again just a testament to like the crew and and just kind of everything that went into it is seems like there's a lot of positive memories from the from the cast and crew for this one. And, and I would say also is a testament to the production and the quality of the show itself. Yeah. You know, there are you know you go back and think like okay, does James Van Der Beek or Katie Holmes really give any or Michelle Williams, Oscar winning Michelle Williams, give any shits about Dawson's Creek right. and do they do any of that kind of stuff? Well, maybe maybe James Van Der Beek because he needs the money, but like no one else really does anything. This show. I think was top notch with its writing, its acting, yep. um, the music. I actually really liked the the, the score even because they were so it, it felt like it was almost formulaic. But like by the end of each episode, there was like a swell of emotion and the music did it too. And like, to where is a point where like, oh, fuck, I want to watch the next episode because there was just so much emotion going on. Uh, and so I'm going to go in to start to my final thoughts and kind of wrap things up for me, and then we'll go to Scott, and then we're going to end with John, because uh, I have a feeling I know how he's going to do it, but I just, I'm going to save it, because maybe we can convince him. Because, John, rewatching these first three episodes, I still think this is a great fucking show. I think the acting and the drama was really well put out there for me. As, as a package, this show as a whole is strong, and it's it's not too 
2000s. There's some of those shows that like, you know, they're, they're just for their time. I felt like I could watch this now and I can easily watch this and through its completion and I will be happy to do so. It's a very strong show. I thought it was fun. I thought it was it was so well done that, you know, maybe I will consider giving it a second rewatch. I mean, I concur. Everything you just said, uh, completely relatable characters. You really feel for Coach Taylor and for Tammy and, you know, their lives as they go through it. Really realistic storylines, I think, too, that Varsity Blues didn't mm-hmm. cover. You know, they are trying to bring in a transfer quarterback. And Coach Taylor's being yeah. he's being courted by college programs and he may leave the high school ranks and smash with his recruitment violations and all of these, you know, realistic storylines that go on throughout high school football, I think, are done in a terrific way. But the characters that you just root for, like you want Matt and Julie to end up together. You want Lila to be able to kind of fix and save Riggins. You know, you really feel for Street on his journey and what's he going to do now that he's paralyzed. You want Tyra to get into college. You want Landry to make yeah. the team. Like, you know, you really get yeah. invested in these characters and you really want what's best for them. And you're going through every episode, you know, rooting for Matt and, and his grandma, who was just a, you know, a delight in one of the, one of the <laughs> best parts of the show and just all these sure. different things together. You just wish them so much success. And just, yeah, I agree. Something that it seems timeless. Like it, this could be on now. I wouldn't bat an eye. Like I would say, Oh yeah, this fits like everything fits mm-hmm. where it is. It doesn't, it's not outlandish. There's nothing, you know, outside of a couple, you know, storylines that maybe are a little much, you know, like Landry, Landry and Tyra kill a guy in season two and like yeah. try to cover it up. <laughs> like, you know, but yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, the storylines are, are, they make sense. They're, they're pretty common. They're relatable storylines. A lot of it is just team struggles or family struggles with the Taylors. And so, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's a great show. It's something I go back and rewatch every so often. I think it, it has a little bit of something for everyone. I think you could sit down and watch it as a family because, you know, if you have the sports fan, it's got that, but it's got the drama. If you have someone who's into the drama, it's not, you know, it's not cringy. It's not over the top. Um, you know, it's not inappropriate. It's something you could, you know, sit down with, with teenagers and, and watch together. And I think everyone would enjoy it yeah it was fine hey okay <laughs> that's better than i thought you were gonna say yeah same <laughs> it was it was fine i'm already not a huge fan of football as a medium to tell stories i'm much more of a baseball guy so i yeah. like i like baseball stories football is fine i'm sure i'm sure if i watched more of it i probably would get into it but there was just nothing that like hooked me in the first episode but it was fine Okay, I don't know what, that's a win. <laughs> yeah. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Nerf football, rah, rah, rah. You can watch it go. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Varsity Blues using actors of today. We got three people in a fairly extensive uh, casting list. We're going to recast Mox, Coach Kilmer, Lance Harbor, Billy Bob, Julie Harbor, Tweeter, Darcy, Wendell, and of course, Ms. Davis. 
<laughs> naturally that was, that was scott's edition you know I can't, I can't even take the creep vibe on that one well i just think i just feel like it's it it needs to happen it is a huge part of the movie yes <laughs> that and like i mean outside of kilmer i was like we should probably cast maybe one more adult in this movie so uh, fair sure. all, right. all right well let's go ahead and start with our miss davis and uh, adam i'll let you start sure uh so She's uh, probably mid forties or something is kind of what the Miss Davis character I, I kind of got in my head, but yeah, like a kind of be small town, but has to be, be good looking and someone who I'd want to see as a stripper. But also in that role, it's like it's not someone who I felt it couldn't have a big name, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna pull out anybody who is like an A lister for this role because right. they're not going to take it. Literally, they're not going to be the town stripper teacher. You know, but somebody who I think she's done nudity before, I think. Um, but she's also not too big, but she is, I think, in the right age range. And I think she could pull off being a sexy stripper. I went with Charisma Carpenter as oh, my okay. Miss Davis. That's a good yeah, choice. From uh, Angel. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a really a, good choice. It, sure. Yeah. I actually decided to. I, the one I went with, she's 35, so mid 30s. A sure, little, sure. probably a little bit younger. But what I decided to do, I went and looked. I said, who are some porn stars who have crossed over into okay. mainstream acting who would be like, yeah, I could, that's a, that's an easy role for them to do. Um, so I chose someone who actually got her first legitimate role on a what sounds like horrible National Lampoon movie called Homo Erectus, <laughs> which starred Allie Larder. Oh, no. so my tie oh, how, how far how far the, the mighty have fallen <laughs> how that ties in uh and i went with sasha gray oh I, i've heard the name but not for her acting <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm sure she's a wonderful actress yeah <laughs> <laughs> not that there's this part doesn't need much so yeah yeah honestly yes the nudity is probably the the biggest <laughs> role yeah of it. yeah because her acting is fine uh sure I I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean it. It makes sense. It makes sense. I uh, I went I went about this a couple different ways. One is you know my varsity blues is is a, a bit more of a blockbuster. So I was like maybe I can get someone if I expand this role a little bit and Miss Davis gets a couple more scenes. We fig you know maybe we do that. And so I was trying to think of more so who fits the demographic and who could pull off sort of that small town, that small southern town teacher. So I had a couple names in mind. I thought maybe like an Isla Fisher could do it. Um, or oh, I thought okay. someone that would be really fun, but I don't, she wouldn't do the nudity. So maybe that, you know, maybe the stripping scene gets a little bit uh, dumbed down a little bit. But I thought like Alicia Silverstone would be an interesting choice to play oh, in this Davis. Okay. Um, but ultimately, and this is the one switch that I made and I did uh, go a little bit diverse in my casting. So I went with an actress who has done some nudity in some films, but she's also like a pretty well-renowned actress and I could see her coming in and doing a smaller role. Um, I went with Rosario Dawson uh, for Miss Davis. Okay. Okay. She's a beautiful woman. Yep. Uh, She is a strong actress. I'm really excited for the um, Ahsoka show. 
Uh, that's coming. And I thought it would kind of, yeah. it would actually maybe make more sense for the character if she was maybe a little bit more of an outcast and she was a minority mm-hmm. and you know maybe that sh- you know that plays into the stripping. I, I went a little bit deeper with the, the the characterization. I mean, then you could also play into if you're if you're if you're kind of playing into you know the racism of a small Texas right. town. Maybe she doesn't get paid well, as and she has to strip. Yeah, and she has to do uh, that to. Uh, so I yeah. could totally see that as being a thing. That's cool. All right, let's go to Mr. Wendell. Yeah. Adam? No. Or Wendell, I'm not right, really so sure, I can't remember. I, I had looked around for different, uh, none of my, I can, I can say none of my actors are like, are huge, but we're in these, I'm sticking to high school, like they have to be able to to play high school, so all right. of my actors are like in that 22-ish range, around there, 21, 22, 23, which is, is a kind of a tough spot to get like the the best actors for um this guy has been on the show this is us which is has a lot of drama to it um and you know i'm sure he could absolutely do what we need he's done 20 different roles but he's got a look that i think i could totally see as a high school running back and if he's done this is us which is a very you know intense show in its own right uh he could probably play the wendell that i need i went with niles fitch as my wendell I, he's got a good look. Yeah, I see it. I can see that. Okay. I definitely. I don't see know it. anything about him, so I, that's that's pretty much what I went off. He was he's been in a couple different films, sure. Um, and but but a long running series that yep. does require strong acting. I think so. it's a good choice. I think it's a good choice. Okay. Uh, I went with somebody who is a little bit, of, I guess, a bigger name, maybe. Um, sure. Still in the same age range. I went with Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. <laughs> I, I looked at it. He just doesn't scream football player to me at all. Fair. I mean, he's he's been in at least one sports-related thing. I think it was basketball, okay. though, not okay. football. But Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know what, he's, he's still young enough. He just put some meat on his bones. You know? Sure. He could do it. All right, so I'll try not to shit on it. <laughs> Scott. Yeah, I wanted to to bring in someone I thought that would get more eyes on my movie and get get a, generate a little bit more buzz. You know, uh, so someone that, you know, has kind of a following already and, and will get people who maybe aren't into football to tune in just because, uh, oh, I really like this actor. So maybe I'll give it a shot. Just trying to boost, you know, those box office numbers. I also went with Caleb McLaughlin because he brings in the Stranger Things <laughs> it does. You know, fandom. And so I was like, that that's a whole different. I mean, that's getting us a lot of eyes. And I mean, he's really an actor that's on the cusp right now. And kind of, yeah, the first person I thought of when I was like, well, Who's who's kind of a young African American actor in that age range, mm-hmm. age range, and he was the first person that came to mind. And I yeah. I can actually see him wearing a Letterman jacket and and pulling it off. Great choice, Scott. Yeah, great choice. <laughs> so. I, I stand by my thoughts on that choice. I know. Uh, all right, Darcy, who is going to be wearing the whipped cream bikini, Adam? <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, and that that makes it. Uh, you know, it's a difficult role to step into because, you know, iconic, if you will. So I looked around and I just so what I did, honestly, for for my hunt was I went on to IMDb and I basically looked at I was like actors born in 2001, actors born in 2002, actors born in 2003. And I looked at all kind of like the first like 100 or 150 of each of those lists and just kind of like picked from there like, oh, I've seen that person. I know what they're in or I think they have a look. Uh, now, this person, I've not actually seen anything she's been in, but she's got 34 credits, a recent show called Firefly Lane, some other stuff. I, I just don't really know. She was in a couple episodes of The Man in the High Castle, so there's that. 
Oh, when calls the heart show. Okay, I know I know some of the stuff ish, but maybe it's because her name is Allie and she's an attractive blonde, <laughs> and so I went struck right back to it. Her name is Allie Scoveby or Scoveby, but she's an attractive blonde, and I just like oh yeah, that works for me. All right, she's an uh, absolutely an attractive blonde. Yeah. Um, that works. I wonder. My wife probably would recognize her for Once Upon a Time because she watched yeah, she watched that show. That. But that was a while ago, so she might have been real. She might have been a kid. Oh yeah, in those yeah, episodes. So, I I got nothing bad to say. I know nothing of her right. of her work, but she's uh, gorgeous. So okay, take it. Um, I went with a gorgeous blonde. Same thing, just kind of keeping the theme. And I really actually don't know her work. But uh, she's got a good number of um, a good number of credits. She did a, a small seven episode stint on The Handmaid's Tale, so she's worked on a big name TV show. And I think she was one of the not the main character, but she was a mainstay character in Euphoria, the TV series that was on um, HBO. I think it starred Zendaya. Uh, yeah, yeah, Euphoria's HBO. Starred Zendaya, uh, and her name is Sydney Sweeney. Oh, I, I know that name. Yeah, she's a pretty big name. Yeah, you, I think you're. Oh uh, yeah, white white lotus. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely you're definitely getting a better, bigger name cast than I than I have <laughs> for this one. So, uh, yeah, I'm also getting a bigger name cast. I also went with Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I I just looked at her and I said, you know what? She fits the the kind of the head cheerleader role. I know that she's done some uh, some nudity and some sex scenes and so she i'm sure she'd be comfortable doing the whipped queen bikini which i you know i figured i'd factor in someone an actress who would probably feel comfortable you know in that role and mm-hmm. yeah she just kind of fit perfectly nice we're so, simpatico my friend uh, yeah okay. good good choice john <laughs> uh Interesting. all right tweeter adam who's your tweeter Who's my tweeter? All right, so this is uh, this is interesting. Yeah, I, I went with a lot of lesser names. You guys aren't going to know most any of my guys, but um, this guy has been in uh, the show Fuller House, seventy five episodes, uh, and Robo Dog. Uh, that whatever that the hell that is. <laughs> a few other things. He's not a huge role, but again, I was looking through stuff and I was like, okay, you're of the age range, and you've done comedy with at least Fuller House. Um, so hopefully, I can get some air, some uh, comedy vibes from him. Uh, I went with a guy named Michael Campion. Okay, yeah, I, I, yeah, his face looks familiar. I've never seen him, but he's a good-looking dude. I could see him like sporting a southern accent and drinking a bunch of beer and stealing yeah. a cop car. Yeah, we're probably gonna have to see his ass in the show, so so hopefully that'll be okay with him. <laughs> I mean, if you pay if you pay him enough, you know, you pay anyone yep. enough, they'll show them your butt. So very true. I went again. I actually tried to go with a lot of people who I'd never casted, and a lot of these are going to be because you know we're stuck at a specific age range. Uh, I'm going to be stuck with a lot of shows that I've actually not seen. Um, this guy, however, has done quite a bit since uh, probably around 2014 is really when he started. Uh, he was on a TV series called Live and Maddie, which I'm pretty sure was a Disney Channel thing. I think he was a Disney Channel kid to start. But he's done a few other shows since then. I've never seen this show, but there was a show he was on called Boo Bitch, uh, which I kind of <laughs> now want to see. Just it was just a mini series. Just just now, I just want to see what it was about. Uh, who knows? And it, it was a about a gay haunted house. It actually sounds like a lot of fun. Actually, <laughs> Boo Bitch. Yeah. I know it's It, started, house. it yeah. stars two women. Uh, they they can be gay, John. Oh, I know. 
2023. It's just it's the attitude I like about it. It's, sure. it's something about the the title. Uh, but his he's got a long name. Uh, his name is Tenzing Norgay Trainer. So he's definitely partly named after Tenzing Norgay. Tenzing Norgay Trainer. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's if he's done Disney kind of shows, you said yeah with Liv and Maddie, he's gonna have done comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know much of his stuff, but uh, I'm sure he could do it. All right, Scott. I didn't choose Tenzing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. I wasn't expecting so, that one. So this will be my first uh, solo casting here. Um, yeah, Twitter was interesting because it's, I mean, it's such kind of a specific role. And so I figured I would just typecast this one and, and get someone that I know can do it. Uh, there's a, sh- a show on the CW called All American. It's a kind of a football show that's pretty popular right now. And so they have, you know, obviously a cast that kind of fits. And there's a character on there. His name's JJ on the show, who's basically the tweeter of that show. <laughs> Very basically kind of based off Twitter. So I just said, let's just cast him. I know he can do it. His name is Hunter Cloudis. Yeah, a good looking guy. Uh, I could totally see that. If he's already been proven it. Yeah, with, um, he's already played a goofball on TV. So I figured, cool. why reinvent the wheel with Twitter? It's Twitter. There you go. Sure. It's Twitter. There you go. Right, I'm cool with that. Uh, all right, Julie yeah, Harbor. Adam, who is your Julie Harbor? So my Julie Harbor is, uh, I would say, one of my, maybe my bigger, one of my bigger names for, like, this age group. You have to have somebody who, at least Amy Smart is downplayed here, where she's kind of like the the hometown girl, attractive, but not, like, big Texas energy attractive, if you know what I mean. And so I wanted somebody who kind of has, like, hometown feels, but, like, and also could come across intelligent, and so, yeah, I went with an actress who has gotten some pretty good, pretty good vibes from. She was in the movie Eighth Grade. Um, she's been in a recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She's been in Barry, uh, the the latest season of Barry, which again I want to throw out there. Barry is a phenomenal show. Uh, everybody go out and watch it. I went with Elsie Fisher as my Julie Harbor. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, sure. I see the, I see the kind of. Uh small town girl next door yeah kind yeah. of vibe. exactly exactly she, she's i mean she's attractive but not like overly you know like the, the head cheerleader right kind of vibes so. yeah yep. yeah that's a good call cool um i did follow the path of taking an absolutely gorgeous woman we'll have to dumb her down <laughs> but i needed somebody who uh still looked really young but could kind of give an attitude because Julie kind of has a little bit of an attitude. Uh, so I went yeah. with Wednesday herself, Jenna Ortega. Okay. Oh, I, that's and that's going to get a lot of you know that's a lot of buzz right there. Going to get a lot of that is going to be a lot of buzz. She's huge right now. She's yeah. like the biggest actress of that of her of her age. Yeah, there, there goes your payroll, there. John. Could you? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> most 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 of these folks have been yeah. relatively you know younger lesser names most of them not all of them yeah. but uh, yeah no i mean you're fine. right she definitely has the sort of the spunk right that kind of yes yeah well and she's been she's been wanting to produce lately so maybe i can sweeten the pot and see if she'll take a, a lesser uh a lesser uh um lesser acting pay sure. for a producer credit or something go. like that yeah yeah i'll take that that's good yeah, we all make money in the end. It's a good call, though. Yeah, I mean, she you know, fits the the age range. She's got the spunk. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the you know looks wise. Yeah, it can work definitely. Yeah, cool. All right, absolutely. Who was your uh, uh, Julie? I I kind of went. I think in between the two of you, I went someone who's a, a bigger name, not as big of a name. Um, someone that again, I think we'd have to to dumb it down a little bit from the looks wise, but still sort of has that sort of girl next door look, similar to to Adam's choice. Mm-hmm. Someone who's She's been doing a lot. Um, 
she was she starred in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, she's been in Riverdale. I went with Kiernan Shipka for my Julie. Yeah, I almost went with Kiernan Shipka. Yeah. She was the first name I wrote down uh, before I switched it. Oh no 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 no. She was my Darcy initially. She was your Darcy. She was my Darcy oh, before okay. I switched it to Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, that's who yeah. it was. I and actually, I think I like I like Scott's. I think she is more of the Julie vibe I, than she is. The I Darcy agree. Vibe. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a really good call. I think that fits actually particularly well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah, she's a good actress too. Like you know, I haven't seen her in much, but what I have seen, she, she seems like she's a pretty good actress. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's getting she's getting more and more work out there. So yeah, that's good. All right, Billy Bob. Adam, who was your Billy Bob? My Billy Bob, I, to be honest, is probably going to have to be a no name because you kind of got to go with size. Yeah. And I can't guarantee that any, anybody that is that size, which I actually had read. Um, uh, what's the actor's name again? Uh, Ron Lester. Ron Lester. He topped out at five over 500 pounds. Like he's a big, big. He got, he got really big dude. And yeah. um, then he ended up having, I think, a gastric bypass and lost 300 something pounds in two years. Yeah. Uh, and then ended up dying from kidney and i think uh, some other liver kind of issues kidney well. and liver liver and liver yep so very unfortunate story for him and he said it even said like I, what i'd read it said he was he lost roles because after that was being fat was his identity yeah. right on camera and so the calls for shows and movies and stuff weren't in once he lost weight and so that kind of really fucking sucks for him yeah. um but anyway i want the guy who is big i don't he might need to get bigger i don't want him to get fatter right but maybe they'll put on a suit or something i don't know uh he was on the it movie and john i know you've cast him before i think it's something i can't remember exactly what but his name is jeremy taylor or sorry jeremy ray taylor is my billy adam that's a smart move because i also went with jeremy ray taylor for the same thing he is he's a rounder kid i'm not gonna call him a bigger kid he's kind of a round he's got a rounder face maybe we put some stuff on the suit just to make him appear bigger we don't i we don't need to danger his health sure to make this and you're right there is no actor who looks like uh, whatever his name was, who I can't remember. Ron Lester. Ron Lester. There's no guy who really looks like that who's prominent enough for us to really say that. We might have to go with an unknown, but if we're not going to go with an unknown, then let's go with a guy who we know can act, and we'll just do what we can to kind of embiggen him embiggen through him. <laughs> through uh, through suits or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I also went with Jeremy Ray Taylor. Yeah, I yeah. think in, in, in this sort of the landscape of where we are, I think you know, we could have an offensive lineman that doesn't have to be as huge. Maybe he's right. more of an agile offensive lineman rather than well. And and the thing about Billy Bob was not just his size, but like his how dumb quote unquote right. he was. If you play, play if you play that, then right. the size yes. won't then, necessarily yeah, the, matter. The size much. is secondary. Yeah, and so that and the concussion health risks those are the most important. Right, yeah, exactly. Sure. And so I figured in these sensitive times, we don't necessarily need a five hundred pound mauler. Um, but it was tough because again, this is. It's not really an easy search to Google when you put fat young actors. I didn't get anything. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't. There were no results. <laughs> I, sure. I got a list of actors that were fat when they were kids, which like, yeah. <laughs> I did not care for. So, I, yeah, I had no idea really how to go about this except for to try to choose someone that I knew was kind of known for being a little bit bigger um, in a big box office hit. So I went with Jeremy Ray Taylor from It. Oh, nice. Hey, all three of us, baby. <laughs> Hell yes. I nice. don't know that there was another choice, so I feel like we all I, I kind of agree. Sure. He was kind of like the natural choice. Yeah, yeah. but he also, he does look like he could be a fit football yeah. kid, too. Yeah. I mean, he's, I th- yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's go to Lance Harbor. Adam? 
for my Mox and my Lance Harbor, the first kind of names that came to my head were kids from like Cobra Kai. I always like go to Cobra Kai for this kind of age range, but I stayed away from it because I've casted them, them and those in Stranger Things, I've cast in every role that is this age range. So I've actively was like, I am not doing Stranger Things and I'm not doing Cobra Kai. So I, I can't, I didn't pick any of them. Um, but I did was just looking around that age range of stuff and this guy popped up and he had been some smaller roles in uh, some big shows, including Desperate Housewives. He has over 50 episodes there and over 30 episodes on Mad Men. Uh, so he's played like, you know, the kids of some of the, the of like Don Draper in Mad Men and some other stuff. He also was the voice of Arnold in the most recent. They did a renewed Arnold movie on Nickelodeon and he voiced Arnold on that one. Um, but he's done obviously some uh, some live action stuff. I went with a guy named Mason Cotton as my Lance Harbor, partly because I also saw the picture and I got a little bit of like Paul Walker-esque look vibe. I to see him, it. So. I totally see that. Yeah, it, was, it was totally the, the Paul Walker connection. Uh, yeah, oh, I see man. it. Man, he has a good bit of that Paul Walker look. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's totally why I did yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been acting a while, so that, I could see that, but yeah, yeah, he's got the look. I think that's right. Cool. Yep. So oddly enough, uh, because I, uh, I actually cast my Julie as Jenna Ortega first, and I was like, oh, yeah, they're siblings. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, Jenna Ortega's uh, Hispanic. I'm going to go Hispanic for my Lance. And he's about to have a huge movie come out. <laughs> so I went ahead and cast him. I went with Zolo Maradona yeah. as my Lance. I, I love him. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's good continuity with your with your Julie. Yes. Like, you know, a more diverse casting. I'm not going to be mad at that. Yeah, yeah. He he. The only thing is, I don't think he really gives off Lance Harbor vibes. He to me, he gives off more Mox vibes. That's why it's yeah. called acting, Adam. It's acting. <laughs> <laughs> but but I love him in Cobra Kai, and I'm he. And honestly, Blue Beetle looks like a fun movie. I'm excited to actually go watch it. I am too. And just kind of click my brain off and just like, hey, I just want a dumb fun movie. Yeah, so, my I'm, my I'm, my son and I are really actually excited to go see that together. Cool. Uh, all right, Scott. Uh, yeah, so again, yeah, I was trying to pick someone who's got that look, you know, someone who needs to sort of have that all-American varsity QB1 type of look. And so I was a lot of names out there that I was I was going through, wanted to get someone that, again, has been acting at least for a little bit, um, you know, has won some some team choice awards and, you know, kind of all that and is, a, you know, a popular sort of younger actor i think he's like you know mid-20s now but when he started out he was kind of younger someone again that would be that would be pretty well known um again i want to try to bring in as many fan bases as i can on this show and i've seen i haven't seen his show but it's a huge show so i went with the uh the lead the star from riverdale his name is kj apa apa oh yeah and he just has to me he just had that look like his face is just a lance harper face to me so i wanted to go with him and get that riverdale uh Get, get those fans in there as well. Between that and the Stranger Things, I feel like every kid in America is going to go watch this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that vibe. I mean, yes, he's already leading a very successful show. Um, and he is like, yeah. And, and Lance Harbor has protagonist vibes to him. Yeah. You know, even though he's not, he's got that feel. So great call. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coach Kilmer. I'm, I'm really interested to hear uh, your old Kilmer's, Adam. Yeah, this was a, a fairly tough one, and I, I there's multiple people who I think it would do a great job. Um, John Voight, I think, plays a great enemy in this mm. one. You know, he's a good villain, very good villain. 
I had to look, you know, I wanted to stick to, because racism, I wanted it because racism. I want to stick to it, <laughs> like, you know, old, an old white man, you know, because uh, that's what I want to be a, a big part of my movie. I want racism to be a big part of my movie. That sounds fucking terrible. Uh, but anyway, I went with a, a, a fantastic actor who I don't expect much pushback from you guys. Um, he can do villain stuff. Um, he's, he can absolutely bring the same kind of vibes that John Voight had. Um, he was great as kind of like a somewhat protagonist, somewhat villain in Westworld. I went with Ed Harris as my oh, coach. Yeah. Kilmer. Oh, wow. That's a good man. Yeah, that's a great call. Okay. Yep, I like that okay. a lot. Very intimidating. Um, yeah. I didn't go with an actor who is as old. Actually, probably, I don't, well, actually, it's hard to know with the way age looks, whether or not yeah. he's older now than John Voight was at the time, but... Um, they actually, this one came to me pretty quickly. Uh, he just kind of seemed like the kind of guy who could play like a, you know, South Texas asshole or whatever, even though most of what I've seen him in, he actually is playing a good guy. Uh, I went with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, okay. Also good. Yep. That's a good call as well. He, he, yeah. He, he is a incredibly strong actor. He is. And so I'd, I'd like to see him in, in pretty much any role. So that's, I'm good with this. Very good with this. All yeah. Right, Scott. That's a really good call. Um, yeah, this one I went through a lot of different, a lot of different guys for mine. Um, Chris Cooper, I thought about. Um, I, he was he was on my short he, list. He was on my yeah. short list. Yeah, he was. I got it down on like a final four. He was in my final four. Um, so was Michael yeah. Shannon. I thought Michael Shannon ah, would be yeah. interesting in this role. But I, I narrowed it down to my to my final two, and and I, I was really going back and forth um, about which one. So I'll say my second place ended up being Dennis Quaid um, because. We've kind of seen, you know, he's played, he's had some roles where he's played sort of, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, no, you didn't, because no one did, but uh, he played the the father and the villain in the Footloose remake, um, right. which was very similar <laughs> of like that. small southern town, and he kind of played yeah. the maybe racist, sort of, you know, really kind of asshole-ish townsman, so I know he can do mm-hmm. that role, but I said, you know what, there's someone else who, so I looked, John Voight was 60 when he played uh, Bud Kilmer. Oh, okay. So I was looking, so I got that, and I looked at, it was looking at age ranges, so I got someone who's 62 now, so pretty much even though mm-hmm. you wouldn't know, but someone in that same age range, someone who I thought could do Southern really well, um, could do an asshole really well, and I am casting Woody Harrelson as my Bud Kilmer. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely a great call. He just seems like, I mean, as much as we, I think it's funny because everyone, I think everyone loves Woody Harrelson, right? So it'd be hard to to want to punch him yeah. in the face, but also he has the acting ability to absolutely oh, yeah. make you want to punch him in the face. Right. A, a lot of roles he has has done that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He he's he's phenomenal. Because he, sometimes you see Woody Harrelson just being so kind of wacky, Woody Harrelson, that you forget that. But when he has to really turn it on as an actor, yep. you're like, holy shit, this guy's top tier. Yeah. And he gets off yeah. Southern head coach to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's also from Texas. He is from Texas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all right, our Mox, who's our lead guy, Adam. All right, and I still kind of have it between two different guys. Yeah, me too. But I'm gonna. I'll, yeah, I'm gonna stick to the 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 dude that I went with. Um, his he's currently. I think he's still currently uh, the lead on. I think it's like a Disney show or so a Disney like show. Um, but he's been the lead in that for a while now, since 2014. He's basically been playing this same character, uh, which is kind of a silly action hero character, like a kid, a kid action hero. But I think he's got kind of like a skinny, goofyish look that I think fits with James Vanderbeek. That I think, and he's been leading enough on stuff. He just hasn't made the role into like 
big movies yet, so maybe this will be in the part. I went with Jace Norman, who plays Henry Danger in the the show Henry. He Danger. was my second choice, Adam. Oh fuck! It. I hope you pick the I, other guy I, who was I'm my now second going choice. To pick the other, yeah, he was my <laughs> second choice. Very cool. I think, so obviously, that's yes, a, I think that's a good call. Interesting look. All right, man, he grew up too between those. Yeah, looking at yeah. his his picture now. Oh, that's a cool. Yeah, I know nothing about him, but he's got a good look to him. So. Uh, I know my guy is not going to be on uh, the other one, Adam, because uh, I went back to the well of uh, Cobra Kai, which I still have not seen. But this guy just kind of stood out to me as kind of a mox. Um, also, I, you might just uh, maybe I got my two conflated in in terms of the roles, but I, I went with look only. I went with Tanner Buchanan as my mox. He, he 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 was so he was my guy, and now I'm going to change it to my third choice. Oh geez. Oh shit, Tanner. See, I think I when I wrote down I wrote down Zola Maraduena for Mox and Tanner Buchanan for Lance. Uh, um because I think that they're better fit for that yeah. just for, from what I've seen on Cobra Kai. Sure. But he is one of the top actors right now. I love Tanner Tanner Buchanan. I think he and I want to see him in more and more stuff. So Okay. Uh, that's so I, I still like him as a call. Great call, John, because yes, he was also my mox that's, that I'm now gonna change to my third guy. <laughs> okay, so who is your third guy? So my third, so yeah, I, I literally had a list of three. It was Tanner Buchanan, Jace Norman were my were my top two choices. Um, but I will I will pivot now and go with uh, <laughs> this kid I know nothing about because I don't watch the the show that he was on. But he was on The Walking Dead uh, for a while. It looks like that seems to be his his biggest uh, claim to fame. Since then, it looks like he's been in a couple movies and. Uh, he's been on a million little things. I went with Chandler Riggs now as my mom. Oh. Coral! You went with Coral! Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't. Yeah. Because he's not good in, in Walking Dead. <laughs> well, that, that was a long time ago. So you know what? Time has passed. He's worked with some people. Okay. A mil- sure, million little things is, uh, you know, is a is kind of a dramatic show. So, like, in a different okay. sense, right? So I'm hoping that... You know, his, he's got his chops a little bit more from then. And you guys stole my other two. So this was my third <laughs> yeah, choice. Sure. So for, for variety reasons, I'll, I'll stick with him. I, I've co- I'm willing to give him another chance. So I'm not going to knock a shit. I will say my other, my backup was Ty Simpkins, who was in oh, uh, oh, yeah. Jurassic yeah. World. Jurassic World yeah. and some other things. actually even 3, in the, uh, I think. And Ga- Avengers Endgame and some other small yep. stuff. In- Insidious, yep. stuff like that. But okay, I, Chandler Riggs, I, I'm okay, I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah, and, and with the rest <laughs> of my my cast and my acting, I feel okay yeah. because his scenes with Woody Harrelson, Woody's going to do the work anyway. Well, and and knowing that you also were fine with Tanner Buchanan and Jace Norman, I, they, you're, you're they good. were my top two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Scott, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, and once you give us one more little plug before we sign off here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. This has been a blast. I love talking about my favorite movies, and I love doing recasts. So, I mean, this was this was a lot of fun for me, and something I've been looking forward to, you know, for a while. So, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all that you gentlemen do. You know, you guys, like I said, always killing it, always bringing great content between all the different shows that, and things that you guys do. So, thank you. Uh, for me, yeah, you can listen to me on the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Um, wherever you get your podcast, we drop new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, sports trivia so again if if sports is your bag and you know that's if you listen to this episode it maybe you're probably a sports fan at least in some (laughs) sense and so if you want to maybe test out your you know your trivia knowledge or even if not you just want to hear a bunch of grown men act ridiculous and answer some questions uh go give us a listen then i also have um 
on Nostalgia Cast called People Don't Forget on the lovely BFOP network um, that you can certainly mm. find as well. Uh, that's more of just a deep dive into the 2000s, uh, different topics on each episode. And then I have a, a newer podcast that I've been doing called Totally Rank, which is uh, a music countdown show. So I go through each calendar year and uh, my guest and I choose the top 10 songs from a particular year. So if you're a music cool. person and you know you like nostalgia right now, we're in the mid 80s, uh, just go back and listen to episodes from the early 80s so you can figure out uh, what songs everyone liked. Very cool. All right, that was our recasting of Varsity Blues. Please join us next time for another album review. And I can't believe we hadn't gotten to this one earlier. This time we are talking the Offspring album, Smash. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.